0: We're not live. live, if I say that, we're live, we're not live. We're live, we're recording, we're recording. Okay. Uh, Steve, Steve, welcome to the studio. Full disclosure, just quickly, you're my cousin. Okay, yeah, alleged, yeah, alleged. Alleged. Well, it depends who I'm talking to. Do you know Steve Murray? <laughs> no way, I did not know that man. I do not yeah, know no, that man. You know.
1: <laughs> do you know the you know funny thing about that, right? It's because I work with schools, right? There was, a, like, um, you've got to get Garda vetted. And there was a time when, if you Googled Stephen Murray you would get a guy, the main headline was man arrested for crimes that would not allow me into schools. Let me just say that. And uh, he was a Galway man living in Dublin. I was, I had been living in Dublin and was living in Galway. He was about five years younger than me. I I always looked about five years younger than I was. It was so close and everything that I didn't do time for crimes that he did, because I never would. Anyway, so yeah. Uh,
0: one second. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, I looking at the wrong thing. I do apologise. Uh, that little section out. Might be back. <laughs> I just, got a minor technical hitch. Um, question for you then. Oh. Question for you, because believe it or not, you may have told me a lot about your past. Most of it would have been drunk. I don't remember anything in the drunk. Yeah. Or, or I tend to. Have sh- or you might have very, been there. I may have been there, but very young. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. But, yeah, but uh, it's certainly, um, it's certainly. I think genuinely, I think there's a lot. I think in this conversation, I'm going to learn from, and okay. learn about, um, and uh, I don't want to hear it. I want to hear it. So, do you think you could be? Do you think you could you could be the person you are now? Which I see me, you. you think you're a good person, achieving things, doing good for the mm-hmm. world, right? As Great. opposed Oops. to bad. Yeah, yeah, Generally yeah. Generally good than bad, right? Yeah. Do you think you could be who you are now um, if you would live a different past, live a different life?
1: No, and it's a really interesting question, and here's why. I had no idea growing up, right, that I came from, we came from um, a wealthy family. I had no idea, right, that, that I, the idea that we might have come from any kind of money at all just didn't make sense. Um, and then, you know, like, as I got older and I learned things about, um, you know, my past, etc. I remember there being a story that your mother told me about when we lived in the shelter for victims of domestic violence, which was the first ever women's aid shelter uh, established by Erin um, Pitsey. Uh, during the 1970s and you know to be honest it was a bit of a shithole you know like there was bare 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 pipes bare electricity rats you know like and um, you know like um, I remember your mom saying that, that, that at the time our grandfather had plotted to come over and take us back because my mom was staying there because you know coming home to Ireland as a single mother in the 70s wasn't that attractive but also she was a young woman trying just wanting to do it on her own and when, when I found out like, more about our family and and the wealth that was there, and like, I realised that had our grandfather taken me back, I would have been raised on the farm. You know, I would probably have gone to Clongo's Wood, where you know our uncles went to. You know, which is one of the elite schools in, and it definitely wouldn't have been the same. And and I look at that, and I also then I look at my father's life, who was, you know, who was privately educated. You know, he was a handsome and athletic man, smart and charming, who got everything in his door, everything on his lap, and didn't learn. I don't know what happened, but I think things were very easy for him. And dealing with some of the trials of, you know, to come up to you. I think growing up poor and going to what I went to, Stood me in better st- st- stead to face the trials ahead than had I had a more comforted living. And that's to say that people who have come from wealthy backgrounds don't go through trials because I definitely think our family, our own family, even though they might have been wealthy, I don't think it was. An, isn't, I, I don't think they knew growing up they were wealthy because I think it was quite a difficult, you know, like strict religious household
0: as in our parents
1: yeah 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 both our parents so so i so so i've often thought about our mums
0: we should say our mums our
1: mums yeah our mums our uncles etc i often thought that like because that was a very real possibility that 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 i could have been taken home to ireland raised raised on the farm sent to an elite school um my worldview would have been would have been different like you know at, at least would have been different um and I think, yeah, I, I, th- I think we are all reflections of our experiences and our influences. So any change in that will change our trajectory. I don't really believe in that if, if I could do it all over again, I'd do exactly the same thing. Well, I, I kind of think if you could do it over again, you'd do exactly the same thing all over again. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. And so I think that if, if my life had been different, I think uh, it was, I would have been different. Hmm. You know,
0: what's your what's your earliest memory of writing? What's the first creative piece you wrote?
1: First thing I ever wrote was I had a teacher called Mister Spark, believe it or not, right? Chase Mr. Spock. School, Mister Spark, Mister <laughs> Spark, yeah, it was uh, Spark or Spark, Spark, yeah, Spark.
0: Spark, as in
1: as in yeah, yeah, as in uh, as as in Flint, and um, he was my primary school teacher at Chase Bridge. And he'd read us Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and he, and he set us the task of writing a poem based on it. And so I wrote Marley's Ghost. And all I can remember, I was eight years old, like all I can remember was in, uh, Like uh, was one line of it. Thump of footstep, hammer on a nail, Marley's Ghost appears. And he read it, and when he, before he read it, he just called me out to the class in front of everyone and said, How dare you, boy, you think I'm stupid? Now this guy was like a wizard, he was like, his, his, his ire, his anger, I mean like when he got angry the room darkened, you know, and, um, oh coffee, yeah. there you go. Um, but when, but most of the time, all that meant was, you didn't make him angry, because most of the time he was a wizard, you know, he was like, there were sparks coming out of his fingertips, he was animated and hilarious, And uh, but anyway, this day he thought I'd, I got someone else to write this, so the room darkened and he called me in, and I started to well up with tears. And then he realized, you wrote it, and he just put his...
0: He like, thought that you had got someone else to write yeah, to, it. Yes, to, to write it. I oh, got okay. an adult to write okay. it. So
1: he kind of put his hand on my shoulders, and he could see me start. He, I was welling up, like, in his excitement. He went, uh, but it's brilliant, my boy. It's brilliant. Yeah, so that was... And that same poem that I wrote when I was eight won me an award when I was 12.
0: Huh.
1: Yeah, at secondary school, so... Hmm.
0: Can you... Uh, is, is it do you think it's easy to create to write creatively if um if you've had an easy life or if you've had a hard life
1: I think it's either there or it's not um but I think if you have a hard life i, I here's what I think I think all art validates our suffering
0: you think what
1: all art validates our suffering right go on, go on. so so what art does is art like um you take any film story, whatever it is right. Um, you take any film or story that you engage with, it's never about the best-looking kid in your school who has all the girls and all the money, drives the nice cars, is re- the teachers love him, and he's the sports champion. It's ne- he's never the hero of the story. Um, the, st- the hero of the story, whether it's Sophie from the BFG, Harry Potter, Luke Skywalker, nearly all of his orphans. And if you break down the story of it, right, uh, it's... Um, like, the stories, if you break them down, you know, like, I mean, so, you know, Luke Skywalker, spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen Star Wars, but, you know, uh, his dad was killed by Darth Vader, lives with his aunt and uncle, who are, you know, murdered by stormtroopers, finds out from from a Jedi that his father was murdered by Darth Vader, so he changed him to be a Jedi, long, long and short of it is, loses his best friend, Darth Vader, um, Obi-Wan. Finds out his father is Darth Vader, but, but realises he's good, converts him to good. Then his father saves him, then dies. It's a horrendous story, right? It's, but what art does is art, is art says, you know what? Life is full of these trials and tribulations. It ain't easy, like, but, but, in, but it's an adventure. In the middle, there's romance. There's excitement. There's, you know, like um, if you hear most love songs, they never sing about the love I have because the love I have is like the iPhone I have. The iPhone I have is brilliant before I got it before I got it I thought it was going to 3D print me a big back when I got it the best part was unwrapping it love is a bit like that the best part is unwrapping it <laughs> you know like, but the moment you like like literally as soon as I t- powered up my iPhone within about 20 minutes I'm trying to remain excited but it's exactly the same as my old one you know like and um I think that uh, like so when you hear love songs, right, people only ever sing about loves they've, love they've lost because most people are either happy in marriage, in which case it ain't the love that we were sold. It's normal. It's like the iPhone I have. Or they're in a marriage that, or in love that is dysfunctional. Or they're on their own. So what art does is art says you ain't on your own. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, because like, the, the hero's journey, you know, conflict. It validates our conflicts, you know, and... Uh, and our humanity. So I think, that, I think that the harder the time you go through, the more you have to write about. Um, but I also think if you go through a hard time, the ability to be able to write or play music or to be able to express it is a way that allows you to, in terms of well-being and, say, you know, Eastern philosophy, to bear witness to your thoughts and experiences rather to, than to inhabit them, if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense i'm just i'm just thinking of um alexander solzhenitsyn um the gulag the gulag Gulag archipelago yeah 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 and so the reason i think that is i was thinking when you were talking about it it's kind of because i was thinking of exact you know it's the creative side however you express that it's something you you it cannot be stripped away so in in Mm. in solzhenitsyn's example he didn't have a pen and paper, or very rarely had a pen and paper he didn't have a if he wanted to be paint he didn't have anything to paint on, but he didn't stop him uh being able to write and think about things yeah uh and in fact it wasn't in fact it wasn't even creative writing, but it was the mind it's the one thing he, he couldn't take away from him it was his mind, and yeah. he had to create this masterpiece, which was i'll be uh, you know a record of a record of his life and experiences, but it's the same thing I think a lot of well I think about. Your your experiences, it becomes sort of creative side becomes an outlet or absolutely a, a, the, the one thing you can find enjoyment or satisfaction or motivation from mm. that isn't the misery of your life in some yeah. other fashion.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree, and also I think as well when you look at where, if you look at where like um creativity and art, like you know, is is at its at its most powerful. If you look at like African American. You know, literature, and music. You look at the Irish, like um, Irish literature, theatre scenes. You tend to find huge creative outputs during times of oppression. Russian literature, actually, the the, the kids that I teach, um, I find all the Eastern Europeans kids, man, they like their appetite for writing is like you know, like it, now they're second, third generation, but you know, I think that I think that wherever you have any kind of bondage. In the worst sense of the word. Um, I think uh, I think uh, the only freedom you have is in your head. Do you know what I mean? That's like, in, like, you know, so, so we will create... We will, we will manifest our own story and, and, uh, and our own endings and create our own narratives to, uh, t- as a safety blanket and as a way of surviving as well, you know. Um, yeah, and I definitely think, I definitely think uh, that, I definitely think that the, the, the once, you know, the creative process is one that does sometimes allow you to see where your head's at and just also to see your experiences from a different, from a, a more objective vista, you know, so.
0: Mm hmm. Uh. When you when you, when you, so when you wrote your first book, mm. that was House of Bees, right? House of Bees, House yeah. House of Bees, the first book. Mm. Did you do that as a because it would be a cathartic experience, or did you do it because you wanted to communicate uh, your experiences on paper to others?
1: A couple of things there, right. Firstly, right, there was um, there was a very selfish reason for doing it, you know, which is that. You know, like, um, in my 20s and 30s, struggled to find my place, you know, in where I was going, what I was doing. But the one... I came back to poetry and writing because it was the one thing Mr. Spark had that he said to me, yeah, you know, before I left London. When I, um, You know, like, in, in London, I started writing poems and people had always said, God, you're brilliant at it. You know, so... That was, you know, so, like, so... I, so um, so I started writing when I moved to Galway, because I left a career in advertising to move to Galway, sign of the Dole and write. And then I got involved in the literary liter- scene there, which was very vibrant. And people started saying, God, you're great. So all of a sudden now, I'm doing it because I'm getting pats on the back. And then I had a couple of pieces that I'd written in my 20s that were just, just things I just spewed out about my childhood. And they clearly were the ones that got the best reaction back. So when i wrote i I won a couple of poetry slams which was like it's like x factor for poems i got to go to chicago do shows and um, i kind of hated it because there's part of me that's really shy there's part of me that doesn't believe i'm good enough there's part of me that though i get up there i'm not being myself when i'm up there i'm inhabiting a persona you know so so i followed that and then there was there was a, there. There came a point where I just wanted to go. No, do you know what? This is this. I I've got to start writing real me. But the the, the second part of that is, while it was a calling, it was there was also an egotistical thing involved in it as well because I knew that my story would get me published. These days, you could be the best writer in the world, but unless you've got unless you've got a clear hook of suffering. Or disenfranchisement or, you know, like uh, my story was one that that, that would get press and and getting press would sell books. So I knew that writing about, you know, like experiences of, you know, growing up, how I did, you know, would, um, yeah, I, I used it in many ways. I used it as much for cathartic reasons as I did for ambition as well. So, I'm not sure which piggybacks off the back of which. What's
0: wrong with using it for ambition?
1: Well, so, nothing really, I guess. Nothing really. But I think back then, I think that, like, uh, I think that, I think that as I've got older, I've become more aware of (coughs) the impact that things have on others. Do you know what I mean? So, like, so... So, and every every story has two sides to it. Everyone has their own narrative on it. And um, I think if I... I still look on that book with Pride, by the way. I still look at it and go... You know, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was like, like, like it's one that... you know. Like my next book was much better written and no one was interested in it because it didn't have... I didn't have my dirty laundry in it. Do you know what I mean? It didn't have... <laughs> you couldn't smell my pants. So, uh, you know, and that's what people want. People want your dirty laundry. It's a voyeuristic world. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's... Uh, you know, so, um, so I think that's probably what I do is, like, so, so yeah, so, so I think I was a little bit clumsy with it, with just, like, I could have been more careful around certain things that were in there, and, 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 the people, and there were people in there that were very gracious about it, you know, so, like, so there was things that I was just all out, you know, I was driven by the fact that loads of people were telling me how good my writing was, loads of people were driving me, and that kind of blinded me for a while. Um, whereas I'd love to write it again and I will write it again or I, I will write another one that 50 year old me writes and not 32 year old me writes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, yeah, cause, cause I definitely think that as I've got older, I have become more aware. I think as men, we get more aware of others as we get older. Do you know what I mean? I think it's something that we maybe, I think women have got amazing awareness of others like i think uh, i think as lads we lack that a bit you know what i mean we almost try you know I, I think that i think that is why as men sometimes i think we can be insensitive to the trauma of others until we experience trauma or those we care about do
0: hmm i don't think i don't i don't sure so i would have i would have thought that with been insensitive of the trauma of others I'm, Or... So, Or or maybe it's not expressing the sense, showing sensitivity to the trauma of others. Do you know what I think? So, like, I
1: guess, why am I explaining myself well here? I wonder if I'm um, so, so, like, so. I think that. Now, this is all stuff that I've actually picked up in schools, right? So just in schools, I learn as much from my students as I do. And I teach predominantly 15-, 16-year-old kids. And at the moment, loads of lads, lo- like loads of, loads of, loads of teenage boys. And when I'm having the banter with them, my workshops are very funny. Do you know what I mean? They're, they are hilarious, like, you know, and um, so, so, and they're borderline appropriate. You know, they're, they're risque and lads get their, 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 Words wrongs, and lads, lads come up with stuff that's unpolitically correct all the time. And I'm, like, I'm generally quite politically correct, except when it comes to editing roll dial books. Like, ugh, really? I think generally watching the words that we use around each other is quite a nice thing to do, but one thing I've noticed through my work is that, let's say, is that I don't think lads ever go out purposely to hurt people, but we say shit without realising that everyone around us has a story, has their own version of events. And like, I was I was uh, given a workshop last week. Oh, last week. i finished two weeks. About three weeks ago, and I was in a boys' school, and, and on the Monday, I had this lad in in, in, uh, in, in the room in a rugby school, and, and he dwarfism, like like you know, he was a dwarf basically, basically and and uh, he wrote this amazing poem about being having dwarfism. It was and and, and in the classroom. How old was he? 15, 16? 15 16, Yeah, Jesus. in the classroom, he was so fucking brave, man. He was like the biggest biggest young fella in the room. He was smart. He was strong. So it was powerful, and like. And the next day, I was in a, I, was, I was in a school, and uh, and one of the lads, and the, and, and that started joking about midgets, and just went, "I would have made that fucking joke two days ago myself." And now I've read this guy, this kid's poem, and I'm like, "Whoa, okay, so, so like, so, so even even though there might not be someone in the room, there could be a brother in the room, a sister in the room, someone for whom who sees what a person goes through." And I think women are generally more sensitive to that stuff. Do you know what I mean? I think they have more
0: awareness of it. Yeah, that is a difficult. I I have thought a lot about this myself, especially for the last few years, oh. and it is and it is predominantly because of the podcast. And I've met people. So, I, like, if you, you know, if you, uh, so this is episode two hundred and would mm. right? be more than those interviews, but that means I've I've met and sat down with two hundred and seven people I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's not you know I'm I'm i think I'm meeting more people in a really substantial way, quality way. I'm yeah, not fleeting yeah. glimpse, meet them in a networking event or an office, and go, hi, nice to meet you, coffee, bye. I'm sitting down an hour to two hours and literally listening to people. Yeah. And so the reason I've been thinking about it is because I meet people from different backgrounds, different experiences to what you're saying. So one of the things I've been wrestling with, sort of, on a superficial level, right, is, okay, Let's let's give an example, right? of uh the word a word mong yeah All right? so that in my background and my and my my male network we don't really that word is thrown around liberally right we use it to describe a stupid person or do something stupid we use yeah, that word yeah. to describe it we don't use that word to describe someone and prote- and say someone disabled we use it to say it just it is a word that is used to say stupid right yeah, at the same yeah. time I have utmost respect for disabled people right yeah uh, you, well, I like to think people would think that as well, okay? Now, I have definitely toned down the use of that word and minimized it as much as I can. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It does happen sometimes, right? But my, so, but my thought is, my, 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 the sort of the mental somersaults I do is, is it not okay to use that word in, in any circumstance? Or is it Okay. And maybe not specifically that word, but words in general, like N-word, Hmong, midget.
1: Well, there's different levels. So, like, so, for me, a word like Hmong is very kind of like, it's, um, and again, like, uh, for me, I, I wouldn't, I, I didn't even know, I, I, I thought mong could have meant drunk, drunk. you know, it could have meant so many different things. I, I would not have necessarily put that word there. I think some words are more explicit than others, you know what I mean? And, and... Like, 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 uh, and, and actually, this kid's poem as well that he wrote was about how much people love to just mock it's open mockery. Do you know what I mean? It is like, you know, there's nothing like there's no gray area there. Do you
0: know what I mean? Well, th- th- this is the thing with the words, see? Yeah. because mockery is such a big part of male communication. And to, I mean, to add to the, the how significant that word is, to me, like, there's people who listen to this podcast, and there's friends of mine who yeah. have disabled family members okay. you know and and because that word especially in the past very old was associated with people with down syndrome specifically mm. wasn't it which is not how like i associate that word but even so the th- me so the thought of what they may think by hearing me use that word in because obviously we're just using it to describe things like using the word in a derogatory way to anything mm-hmm. but it may feel them really feel really fucking terrible yeah which goes back to is it okay? Is there any circumstance where you can use a word that is that is very offensive to others? Because that's what we're talking about. Even whether you mean it in an offensive context or or not. So going going on so, to the N-word, I yeah. was recalling a joke. I remember the joke. Right? Yeah. Like, that a comedian used to say. And I'm, I just remember the joke off the top of my head about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I remembered that joke, it was by, uh, by Richard Pryor. He used to, liberal, used to the N word. He yeah, he's yeah. a black guy, right? Or he was a black guy. And he, a black comedian. And I remember I used to tell that joke. Mm. We are only talking 10, 15 years ago. Uh, 15 years ago, maybe, or beyond. But I could tell that joke, but saying the word, because it's in the joke. And it not being this issue.: Yeah, yeah, now, no, no, no way, shape, form. No, you can't. There's no way to use it, yeah, But even though you're not using it in an offensive way.
1: So I think that what people resist is evolution and evolution of culture and evolution of how we use language. And I think I can remember in the 80s, conversations happening around the N-word, oh, you can't use that anymore, as if people were being oppressed by not In the 80s? In the 80s, yes. You, oh, so, back then you were. Oh, yeah, yeah You yeah, yeah. too young then. Okay, right. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I can remember those conversations. And... To go exactly back to you know the, the, that word you were saying now, and I'm going to relate this back to. <laughs> Did
0: you not want to say the word? No, no <laughs> I'm wrong. Yeah, no, yeah, no,
1: yeah, no, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't forcing you. <laughs> yeah, actually, no, actually, do you know what? It's not even on my. It's not even. It doesn't even. Like, I'm not, it's not in your black not, book. No. My, hey, can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so like, so I was, uh, I was, um, so. Like going back to the thing about mockery, right? About part of how we communicate. So this has become a huge part of my workshop works that I do with uh, with uh, with kids. Because when I when I teach poetry, I do as I teach it as a form of well being, as a, as a way of looking inward and bearing witness to ourselves. So for, uh, as a form of introspection. And one of my one of the first things I say is that one of the biggest loads of bullshit ever said in the universe was "sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me." I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, like, we've been killing each other over religions uh, for thousands of years. Every single, every single. All, like every single one of our major b- belief systems comes from poetry, comes from the written word. In the beginning, there was the word, and the word was God, and so it was written. You know, Hitler, Hitler seduced a nation with with memes, basically. Do you know what I mean? I mean words, and never more so. Like language is the most powerful weapon in the world.
0: What like, what do you mean? He's, what do you mean with memes, Hitler? With yeah, memes?
1: so like it was. Uh, so basically, slogans, slogans, oh, yeah. slow slogans. So like so, so um so like once we accept that words have power to shape how we believe what we believe and to shape our attitudes and they do because that's how propaganda's made that's everything's written that we like you know uh, once we accept that um, and then you know like um then once we accept they have power to seduce to hurt to 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 to, to marginalize then we we accept that next, okay so we all we're all individuals with different backstories, and we have different contexts, and are triggered in different ways. Now, for me, I think that, and, and again, I don't, I don't hold that anything that I say is 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 right. It's just. Where my story has led me to, and, and my story has led like, like um for years I've been given workshops on how to how to uh, write poetry, and they've been very funny, and it's been all about two things. Firstly, I get them. The first thing I get them to do is I say, right, I want you to imagine you're about to marry to bunch of lads. I want you to imagine you're about to marry. About to marry Margot Robbie, okay, and she can't seem to keep her T-shirt dry on this chilly day, because she was just just fighting with Megan Fox, who can't get out of her nurse's outfit because it's two sizes too small, and it's plastic. And, uh, And they were fighting over who would have the right to marry you, and the fight has gone on for so long, they've called it a draw. So they're going to share you forever on a yacht in a country too hot for clothes in an ocean of beer. And the sky is sky sports. At the <laughs> wedding, all of the bridesmaids are topless skateboarding nuns from Buenos Aires. Uh, you are the man. You're about to exchange vows. You hear a screech of brakes. In comes the biggest dickhead in town. He comes in. He headbutts, he headbutts your grandfather. Then he snogs your dad, who's kind of into it because he's a powerful commanding but tender kisser. And then he nicks your brides-to-be who ditch you at the altar. On the way out the door, he shoots your dog, right? So... And, uh, and then he feeds it to his cat. Well, I want you to write down everything you're going to do when you catch him. What are you going to do? So this is to prove to you all. I'm going to prove to you all you all love writing. And now the lads are tearing into it. And I lads, by the way, lads, lads, whoa. Okay, lads, um, one rule here. You're not allowed to do anything to his mother, his sister, to his, you know, like, you know, uh, like to any women, just to him. And they're like, oh. And I say to them, lads, I say, lads, so today you can write about whatever you want. The idea is they're going to treat you like adults and they want you to act like it. And I I said, now, most girls are brilliant at being treated like adults, but lads, when I say you're going to write about whatever you want, that is not an invitation to write about what you're going to do to each other's mothers, because that doesn't happen in the real world. That only happens in your browsing history, okay? So (laughs) if you like a girl, write something worshipping, it will probably get you further. And that's um, the only thing you can't write is anything racist or homophobic, you know, because it's
0: barbaric, you know, it's like, or, trans, or anything that hurts anyone else. Bringing you this podcast today, are the Aardvar Group. Founded in 1982, Aardvark has established itself as a major player in its field. Renowned for its exceptional technology and innovative propositions have supported countless defence ministries, the humanitarian and NGO sectors and commercial operators in theatres of war and post-conflict environments around the world. Aardvark is foremost a humanitarian organisation working to help rid the world of the explosive remnants of war. Their technologies are uniquely developed by operators for operators, which ensures that every product, system or platform that they provide conforms to the essential criteria of stability, survivability and reliability. Aardvark know that to have a truly lasting positive impact, their technologies must be cost effective. So they've commissioned a number of projects with their research partners to develop technical innovations with the core aim of delivering affordable solutions that can be deployed directly into communities to reduce the incidence of accidents and deaths due to explosive threats. Aardvark are headquartered in the UK with offices in the United States of America and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. You can find out more about them by going to aardvark.group, not just about the products and services they provide, but also about the incredible work they do to support the military community and military charities. Go to their website, aardvark.group, or find them on social media, The Aardvark Group.
1: And uh, so that gets them warmed up. The next one is to get their opinions engaged, get them thinking. So this is where I do an exercise on on men and women, because there's no greater conflict in the world than, like, you know, from, from the moment we hit puberty. Maybe even young, younger, actually. My, my son goes... Uh, Dad, Daddy, we don't like girls. Like he's four. We don't like girls, Daddy. Boys are much stronger than girls. You know, like, you know, as as Robin runs rings around him. And um and so the next thing I say is okay, we're gonna talk about men and women. And uh and um So I say this this is actually um this is gonna be uh this used to be about romance but i had to knock it on the head because you know when it comes to teenage when it comes to men and romance i think men have the same relationships with our emotions as women have with their farts we experience our 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 emotions with with shame we experience our pride our, our, our farts with pride women are the same with their farts women they they pretend they don't do them you know like men would be like pull my finger lift up the leg put a flame to it. Do you know what I mean? We're like mixed martial arses, like Do you know what I mean? Whereas, a uh, lot uh, girls would be doing sneaky. When, when a man gets emotional, he's kind of like, you know, and when a woman...
0: Smiling, just grinning away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, he's kind of gritting grit his teeth. A, a woman farts, she's kind of like just craning her neck a bit and they do these snaky drive-bys and, you know, no one ever knows it was them. And I think, I think it's the same with... Uh, I think so when men hold in all their emotions, then when it comes out, it comes out in these bursts of rage, like, you know. And what I put it down to is like there's so much shaming going on right now of everyone's behaviour. If you're different to me, I'm gonna shame you, right? Then that's that's not gonna end well for anybody. Do you know what I mean? Shame does not do anyone any, like, you know, particularly the lack of dialogue. And oh and one of the things that I think is that um, is that like uh you know, when we talk about, like, like a big part of my thing is, is, is treatment of women, how we treat women, how we treat each other. And it always has been. And, and it's always been like, a, it starts off with the, with, with the, uh, with the um, question, okay, like, what is the most common bit of graffiti in a boy's school? <laughs> now, so, and I and now if I'm in a mixed school, I'll say, lads, girls, be quiet. I want to listen to the answer. And all, the lads all go. Big sir, and they're all read. They I mean, they can all be there half asleep. Like I, I can walk into a narcoleptic class, right? And as soon as they say, "What's the most popular bit of graffiti in a boys' school?" It's instant engagement. Like 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 it's as, as if all of a sudden education is fixed. At last, a real teacher talking dick, deploy male brains, <laughs> you know what I mean, you know, and when I used to give these workshops online, I could have no, no conversation whatsoever in the, in the, uh, in the Zoom chat, but as soon as I say, what's the most popular bit of graffiti in a, in a boys' school, the Zoom chat starts raining penises, there's every word for a penis, there's every euphemism, there's every slang word, there's, 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 there's like strong arm emojis, there's flutes, carrots, aubergines, there's the entire brass section actually, you know, and, uh, and... And then when I'm in girls' schools, they'll say, "Girls, be quiet, lads." What's the most popular bit of graffiti in a girls' school? What do you think they say?
0: You ask the boys this. Yeah. What the, it, it's the most popular bit of graffiti in a girls' school? Hearts.
1: That's the answer, but it's not what boys say. Boys go. Oh well, I'm a boy. I know, yeah, but uh, yeah, but uh, you're also you're also <laughs> forty forty years of age. Fifteen-year-old boys go dicks, sir. They go no, they don't draw dicks. <laughs> And they go, tits, sir. They don't draw tits. Is that that genuinely the the common answer? Vaginas, sir. They go, vaginas? And they go, well, do you think I have services? They're too difficult That's, to draw. That's, what do you mean, sir? I went, you know, lads, those pixelated things from the internet, depending on your internet connection. <laughs> I said, no, no one draws vaginas. Like, you know, like, and the answer is hard. Now, the funny thing about a dick drawing was I've done some research in this, because when I was given online workshops, I've got a green screen behind me. So I have all these, like you've got here, but I press a button and different media comes up. You've seen it. So, like, the dick drawing, right? So, before language, when you've got cave drawings of, like, man, like, stick man running after antelope with spear in the middle, penis, right? But the one we know and love, you know the dick drawing, the guy, you know, bam, 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 you know, he's the guy, he's kind of the space rocket version that we all know with the, with the cross at the helmet, you know that guy. He's first found, that logo for the penis is first found in ancient Greece, right? That exact same one. Do you know where he's also found? He's also found, well, the the Mars Space Rover 2 has drawn him on the surface of Mars. (laughs) We are talking about some of the greatest minds in astrophysics, right? Commandeering multi trillion dollars. I am not kidding you, right? Look it up. Now, it's not a very good one, but it is the one Dick Dick Drawing Mars. Look it up,
0: right? People won't be able to see this. Yeah, like like like
1: making an executive decision, right? An an executive decision. Mars. You know, like, sir. We have an opportunity here, sir. That's right, Captain. That's one small dick for a man, one giant dick drawing for mankind. I oh, already
0: have as well. <laughs> yeah, they have his tricks, You're there. destroying <laughs> my browser history like as well. I've awesome. got My browser so, has now so, got dick on Mars.
1: I know, Mars. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so. It's, oh, there, no. yeah, it's there, yeah. yeah so like, so. Look at that. So, so, that? so when people it's say, like, like when it. people say, when people say, um, sort of men are always thinking with their dicks, it's like, well, we're drawing dicks on Mars. I mean, we're drawing dicks in space. Before we get there, we've got a dick drawing. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know. So, like, so, and where this observation came from was, I was when I was cycling around America in 2000 to promote my first book, I was cycling with Brian, who's gay. We went to Gay Pride San Francisco. And Brian, and like, I've been to lots of gay prides so I've always had lots of gay friends, but Gay Pride San Francisco was next level. You know, it was quite naked. There was quite a lot of swing, swinging Mickeys everywhere. Some of them were pointing, and I was a little bit outside my comfort <laughs> <laughs> at me. So I was a little bit outside my comfort zone, and Brian could see this. And he just laughed and said, "Look, man, that's just meant for you. We just sexualize everything." I was like, "Yeah, I don't go around getting it on with girls in the street." And he was like, "That's because girls won't let you. If they did, you probably would." He said, so I was like, "Yeah, I suppose you." And this is just an un- 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 unfiltered expression of male sexuality. And I and I remember going around to schools schools then and noticing. Like, God, I was saying, lads, write about whatever you want. Guys are writing about riding each other's mothers. Girls are sluts and they were drawing dicks everywhere. I'm looking at what girls are writing about. They're writing about finding the one. He or she left me. And they're drawing hearts everywhere. And I just remember going, in this world that slut shames women, I can see no evidence of it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, we just live in a world where if I'm with 25 women today, I'm a legend. If girls are with two boys this week, they're slots. So that's the, the, that. That's always formed a huge part of this workshop, where I get them thinking and like about how about about the words we use and our attitudes towards each other, and also listening to our stories, because like uh, for me, and this this to, to loop back to mockery is a form of male communication in, in ireland they call it slagging right and if you can't take a slag wales you know, as well Wales, it's it called slagging as well is it
0: yeah i think i think it's common across the uk actually. is it okay okay, okay.
1: Yeah. okay so so like so and and i remember my wife said to her, you can't take a slag i'm going no i can't i really can't i've never been able to and i started noticing over the last few years that when i'm going into boys schools when i'm your age when i was living in a children's home and it was a tough place to live you know it was like you know you know it's you know it's a it's a baptism of fire like you know growing up in care you do come across levels of stuff that's a bit more real I think and you know lads going around acting tough all the time but as you probably know men who experience violence don't go around acting hard like because it's a the reality is traumatic you know and and, um, and
0: so, when I was your a, Not with the rim of the general population, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Try walking into Three Powers Lines or any, I, I, any infantry unit's lines, mate. You'll find some people walking around acting hard. Yeah? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> but are they the toughest men in the unit? Possibly. You've got to, it's a different environment, though. You've yeah, got to think everyone... Yeah. This is an, it's an interesting thing I realised, you know, uh, uh, a couple of months back. It's like, you... you someone goes... You go and... Exp- well... You're past experiences growing up, mm-hmm. very, very wildly different. And you've you mentioned violence and things like that to most other people. Yeah. So so, it's something that is of interest and you can talk about to people. They'll have an interest. You can communicate and try and understand it and and yeah. your yeah. emotions. When you go, so for example, Afghanistan. Yeah. Anywhere, anywhere, not Afghanistan, anywhere, a unit of 12 people, to 30 people, Five hundred people goes out, they all get in a battle, big battle for maybe it's the first one, first time I've ever been in a battle. Ooh. And they all come back in, everyone's experienced the same thing. Where's your outlet? There's yeah. no processing it, co- processing it. Well, there's some processing it internally, but there's no and especially in a male environment. Yeah. So there's no there's no outlet or there's less understanding than if and it's normalized instantly. Because everyone's yeah experience the same thing so instantly that becomes normal okay what was wild about it nothing especially we go and do it the next day or the next hour again and again and again yeah, and again yeah yeah
1: well it's interesting because because you know we say normalizing it as well was was, was on the slagging thing what i say to lads is i say you want to hurt me when i'm 16 15 don't hit me i'm violent like i said like you know i've got loads of scars none of them hurt they've all got good stories what i never got over is when i was 13 and a, and a girl, I won't mention her name because she might listen to it, but a girl I was at school with when I got her friend to tell her I liked to turn around in front of the whole class and going, you think I'll go out with you, you fat, ugly Irish pig? I wouldn't go out with you if you're the last man. i oh my God, you can't give to women. Actually, I'm just speaking <laughs> I, I swear, I didn't ask another girl after I was about 35, man. Do you know what I mean? And I'm and <clears throat> like, you want to hurt me, slag me. Because what slagging does to me, I'll wear my macho face. You won't say, hey! But what's going on behind that is the little voice that tells me they're going to find me out. They're going to realise I'm not as tough as I think I am. They're going to realise that I, I, I am sad sometimes. They're going to realise that that behind this laugh is, you know, is... And so, for me, right, look, look, as I've been giving these talks, when I go into a room there, and I used to think that not being able to get slagging slag was a weakness because we're taught that. We're taught you should be able to... But then I, when I walk into a bunch of lads and I say that and I just see the looks on some lads as they go, thank fuck, someone's saying it to me. So I'm not on my own, do you know? And this is where I was reading a book by... Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie and she's got this chapter on men which says in fairness to men we bring men up to believe that to be a man they must be able to beat other men in fights they must be able to sleep with lots of women whenever they want they must have expensive cars they must and she lists off all this stuff and and, and she says she says that they must be emotionally bulletproof was the big one and like and I remember reading it and going like fuck, behind this idea of the big tough man is she said it denies us the vulnerability of our humanity and I remember reading that going like, like for me, I, I think one of the biggest weaknesses we have as, you know, as men sometimes is this culture that our vulnerability is weakness because when we experience it, we experience it with shame. We don't inhabit, like, so I was watching a movie called Judas and the Black Messiah about Fred Hampton, a Black Panthers leader. And he's in this room with all these African-Americans and this guy's hitting on this girl. And she goes, get off me, man. I, I told you, I, I told you I'm not interested in you, man. goes, well, fuck you, bitch, you ain't. And he starts, your man, Fred Hampton, comes over and knocks him off his chair and goes, any of you brothers, disrespected sisters, you ain't no better than a white man calling a black man an N-word. But I remember looking at that and going, wow, at what point did disrespecting women become a measure of masculinity? Because it's definitely there in our culture now, in certain elements of pop culture, and you know, and and uh, and and also thinking, do you know what? If I am not empowered by my vulnerability, right, when I'm rejected, rather than just going shit, and just, it, 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 what I will do is I will try and create a reflection of vulnerability that I have We've got this thing. I don't give a fuck, mate. I'm not. You know, but in actual fact, it, like, like for me. Right, this to go back to the uh, mong thing actually, cause, and, and and to link it as well actually to that story I told you about on the train. Right, that's the, we get to Prague. Right, and when we got to Prague, I had this story behind me of. This is the poet that fought off the few train robbers. It was pure Jason Bourne, man, for about three seconds. you like, <laughs> it was like it was a cabin. And it was just, and you're arriving at an arts festival, it's all pure, darling, darling. You know, the idea was like, this was like so, and I'd bat, I'd scars on me from it. You know, I'd cut knuckles and stuff like that. And, and I started having this, i I'd say it was a romance, but it was more of a bromance than a romance with this Czech girl and we had a kiss on the first night, and she said, look, I'd love to come back, but I'm working early in the morning. I'm an au pair. I look after two children, and, and, and they're gone early in the morning, so, I said, so, so I'd 'So said like to see you again. She said, well, I'm actually looking after the kids 24-7, but you can come and have lunch with us. Come, come visit me. So next day I went to visit her, and she looked after these two severely disabled children, one of whom did not have the mental capacity to be able to breathe. So she had this device on her the whole time. She was about, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And whatever it was, I would, I, I would like wake up after partying every day with a hangover like I was waking up in the middle of brain surgery, you know, and I would drag myself over to where Nadia worked. And me and this kid, man, I don't know, man, I fell in love with her or something. She just gazed at me like, and just like, and, every, and then I'd get back at five, six o'clock to where the lad just started drinking for the show and they'd be like, um, they'd be like, um, like, you know, they'd be slagging me going like, a, oh, he's going off getting the ride every day. And I was like, yeah, and eventually I just went, you know, what? I'm actually not getting the ride. I told the lads, all I'm doing is I'm hanging out with these two kids. It's really wholesome. It's really, it's so far from a fight on a train. Mm-hmm. And the lads start, it uh, so then gets to the lads and the lads start slagging me about it. I go, ah, see, Jason Bourne by night, man. Florence Nightingale by day. And what do I do? Well, I do what we do as men quite often, right? And um, I make a disabled joke straight away. I like, yeah, well, I can't remember what it was I said. And one of the lads just turned around to me says, uh, you do realise my, my sister has special needs, don't you? Ah, well, oh man, sorry, I'm only fucking around, man. I'm only, like, you know, he's like... Nah, man, I know you don't know what I'm saying. Lads never do, he says. But when I mean, you've met her four or five times, man, and she fucking adores you, man. I'm ah, like, oh, here. Okay, right. Now, uh, you know, now I can see her. And, like, you know, like can... You know, and now I'm, like, fucking feeling shit. Like, you know, and he says... Worst thing about it is, man, is you're absolutely fucking beautiful with her, you know? I'm like, oh, fuck. I've got me pint and me fucking fight on the train story and me lad mask on. And the human being behind that mask is, is drowning in tears, you know what I mean? And, and, like, and now now I tell this story, I told, first told this story, I was giving an online workshop to 150 students and the lad sent me a joke, both joking about domestic violence. You know, like, in, um, and, you know, like, and it was a joke I'd heard before, and, like, and it was a one-liner, like, like you know, and, uh, like, he, like, like, he sent it to me, and I am just, like, I'm funny about jokes about beating women, because my father beat my mother, I don't like it, my fa- I don't know if there are memories or if dreams I have about being locked in a bathroom, and my dad being outside banging on the door, I don't know, I, can, I, I know I have nightmares about it, like, you know, but I, just, I don't have many anymore, I used to, so, I read it out to the whole class and I said, look, man, I said, I I, want to read your name out and shame you, but I can't because I am you. You think I've never said a homophobic joke, a racist joke, a sexist joke, a misogynist joke? And then I tell that story about Niall and being on tour and telling that joke. I said, said, I've been telling those jokes all my life because it's been an easy way for me to, to deflect from the fact that I can't take them myself. I can't take them. But I said, uh, I said, um, like, uh, you know, like, um, like that moment when he held that up to me, right? Like that moment of being in the classroom and reading the poem by the kid with dwarfism about his experience of dwarfism and then seeing a joke that I would not have triggered me at all until I read your man sing. That moment of like, we run away from that. We try and deflect it. But that's a moment of awareness, a moment of growth, I think. I think it's a moment where we grow a bit. And, like, and it's a moment where we grow a little bit better. And evolution don't happen in the comfort zone, you know. And I had another moment. Like, so my whole workshop this year, they've changed into this thing whereby I've discovered, I've, I've learned to cope with my own sensitivity because I've learned to become empowered by my vulnerability. So when I feel like I fail, when I feel like I've been rejected, I own it. And I don't feel like it's going to crush me or kill me, you know. And now, and so I was. I was given a workshop on this in uh, on vulnerability in, in a big tough school in Dublin. It was the week my dad died, and like, and I had about a hundred, about eighty lads in the class, and you know, and they were they were amused by me. I had funny jokes, etc. You know, and then when it came to the t- chat about like you know about uh, vulnerability, now firstly we were talking to Andrew Tate, and I was saying, does he look happy to you? And they were like, how many Bugattis do you have? And I was like, lads, I can't tell you, man. That happiness ain't made out of objects. It ain't made out of things. It's made out of people. It's made out of connections. It's made out of people that keep you from the fucking dark man. The people that when you feel you're not good enough, they tell you you are. It's made out of love. And like, but so if you got a bouquet, you get other love of people who love what you have, not who you are. I said, like, you know, like I said, uh, I said, um, I said uh, when maybe started talking about vulnerability and they said uh, I said, So, what well, vulnerability is weakness, sir? So. Vulnerability is, I mean, if you're like, like I said, like, like because it, where we're from I said, now, you're talking about violence, man. I ain't talking about combat skills. Like, that's a different thing. You know, like, you know, like that's a reaction to, uh, that's actually a reaction to vulnerability. That's it. Like it's a reaction to, I said, it's being empowered and owning the vulnerability. I said, because like at any way, they're fighting with me and it's getting raucous. And I get, a, I get a text from my sister to say, from Jenny to say, dad's got into respiratory arrest. So like, so, so I stopped the workshop. I've got the teachers on alert because we knew he was probably going to die that week. And uh, and I called her. She said, I don't know. He, she said, it could be any time. We don't know. Like, you know, so it could be. I said, OK, I'm going to finish this workshop. So I go back in and I say, lads, so what's after happening? OK, shut the fuck up. I've got the call. My dad's going to die. I don't know if it's going to be in 20 minutes or what, 24 hours. I said, like, you know, I said, um, I said, I said, so we should go. So I said, what's the point, lads? Do you know what? I'm never going to have an opportunity to talk about vulnerability at a moment like this again. And there was instant silence, all of them, buying, bang, there. And I said, uh, I said, um, I said, like, I said, I said, if we're talking about vulnerability, guys, I said, uh, I-, I want you to look at me, go, do I look vulnerable? And there was instant like, Yes, yeah, sir, you look vulnerable. because I, I am, boys. I don't know whether I'm going to burst into tears or smash shit up, because my dad was every kind of prick. You know, every kind of villain, you put it there, but he was also had this spark in him of kindness that was so kind, so warm, so... You know, so he, he could light up a room. And I don't know how I should feel because part of me says all his badness cancels his goodness, but part of me knows it doesn't. I said, So I don't know whether I'm going to smash it up or. But I want you look at me, boys, and go, Do I look weak to you? And they looked at me and were like, Oh, sir. You look powerful, sir. I was like, OK, lads. I said, Just uh, some of them going, We are feeling our strength, sir. I said, OK, lads, just, just, just notice this moment, man. Notice this stillness. Notice how quiet the room has got now. Notice how you're feeling right now because, boys, right now I can feel all of you. I can feel all of you just crowding around me at my moment of vulnerability to give me strength, right? So notice that because there ain't no empathy without vulnerability. Empathy is what grows from vulnerability. And right now, so just notice who you are because there's the men you really are. So stop pretending you don't give a fuck and not giving a fuck is a good thing. And just be the sons your mother's raised because there's two versions of me in that story about about the disabled joke. There's the first guy, which is the guy down the pub cracking the joke right. Then there's the second guy, which is which is um, which is me turning around and saying the worst thing is, man, is you're absolutely fucking beautiful with her. With her, I don't know anyone more beautiful with her than you. And. I asked the lads there, I said, which version is the real me? The second version, so you're, you're not. I said, lads, that's all of us, man. We're all the second version of that man. But you know what we do with him? We tell him he ain't man enough. He's got a man up. We slag him. He can't, you know what I mean? We do that, you know, and, and um, I think like. Um, you know, like when we talk about strength and how we define it and bravery, one of the bravest men I know is, is, is a friend of mine's partner who is a very effeminate gay man, went to an officer's military school in the south of England, came out when he was 13, said, boys, you want to talk about strength and bravery? Talk to him. Do you know what I mean? And, like, we got all, and, and, and if you think about, and I always say to them, if you think about all the heroes, if you think about your friendships, you, you think about what you love about the men you love, but the men you hold brotherhood with. The real bond is is vulnerability.
0: But what you so what do you think is wrong with vulnerability now? Because the way I'm listening to you saying it, right, there's two there's two sides to it. It's acknowledging your vulnerability, owning it, and and not dealing with it, processing, it, understanding it, right. And the, and then there's another side which is expressing your vulnerability vocally, right. And the, yeah. the, the, they're they're two different things. I think the first one.
1: What so what do you think is? So I I guess no, it's more it's more about being empowered by your vulnerability. Okay. So, like, and also, also reframing it, reframing our vulnerability not as weakness. Because I think one of the things that I think one of the things that we have is I think right now there's I think there's a lot of shaming going on in men right now. And I'm, I'm like, do you know a term I will no longer use? I will no longer use the term toxic masculinity.
0: Won't use it. Not I'm disappointed. You ever used it?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> everybody did, didn't they? Until it's l- l- like, you know, it's,
0: uh, yeah, I I, like I, many uh, other things, it's.
1: Well, I, I think toxicity exists in culture, and 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 also. Well, actually, to go back to my dad, actually, right, the villain of my story, right, is that.
0: Well, it's the, the sorry, the toxic, well, the, the thing with toxic masculinity, right, is the the way it's used in most of the time, is in a way that it's it is, uh, masculinity is toxic, not. There is a toxic part, um, version of masculinity that we shouldn't have. It's using the first, which is mm. to insinuate that masculinity isn't a necessity. Well, so like... Which is wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think for me, what it is is that, is, is that there are narrow definitions of masculinity that exclude the full spectrum of male identity. And I'm not just talking about gay and straight here. I'm talking God, about...
0: I think a scientific version, isn't it? There? But there's also people's understanding of it, which is very subjective. Very subjective. Is there a scientific? Yeah, there is. Defi- well, uh, hang on. A definition of it. Do you know what I'm thinking
1: of? There is that, like, is that? Uh, do you know like? Um... It's the
0: opposite of femininity. It's the opposite. You think yeah. femininity? You think uh, a a a person who exhibits traits that are c- that are consistent with females. With what fe- generally females would exhibit. Mm-hmm. A masculinity. It's a person who exhibits traits that are consistent with what a male human would exhibit yeah. generally.
1: So I think that... Like,
0: you can have a person with a very feminine walk. You can have a person with a very masculine walk. What's wrong with those types of masculinity and femininity? Yeah, no, just different things.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't dispute that at all. Um, but same I, in language. What I do think is that I think that our definitions of masculinity have culturally come to reject some of our most... some of masculinity's more salutary and honorable aspects and characteristics like brotherhood like mm-hmm. for like, like uh like um, chivalry like, like the parts of it that, that that is that is based on awareness of others do you know what i mean and, and i think there's a thing of like of you know this idea of like like um, i wrote a like a, a poem years ago about uh, i did this thing with this czech artist and it was it was the langu- language used to describe women in religion um pornography Pop lyrics and uh, and art and the art was generally quite beautiful, Uh, although obviously pop lyrics are art. But the pop lyrics, hip hop and stuff, was pretty misogynistic. Very misogynistic in a almost kind of stupid way. Oh my bitches on my house. Okay, bye. Um, The the religious stuff was pretty insane. I mean, like, but like, but some of the pornography stuff. Don't get me wrong. My browsing history ain't no gospel, but like, uh, but some of it is. Some of the language is so you know, like, um, it it, it glorifies, it can be quite violent, you know what I mean, some of the language of porn, not porn itself, but not the the, the visuals, I think, you know, like, uh, go on.
0: On the music side, yeah. do you think that it's a question of uh, a perception of the language being Very derogatory to women if you are perceiving it from a different culture that wrote the music, for example. So, in hip hop, the language used, that language is very commonly used in the culture. You know, Mm. calling a woman a bitch, right? That has much less intensity and significance behind it if it's in, uh, I don't know, if it's in gang culture, for example, being just not gang culture, black culture. I'm generalizing you, a real big generalization. But in, uh, yeah, the the word "bitch" is definitely used more frequently in in very much the same way that I mentioned the word "mong" earlier. Right, the word "mong" is, I'm assuming, it still is now thrown around a lot. It just generally in yeah. language in right in my military background. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. It's, it's it's like a word that has no. It's, it doesn't mean. Much. It's no intent. It's not like an insult. It's not like it's. It's there's a difference between the word the c word and the fuck word. Right? Yeah. But if you were to be a civilian, for example. Yeah. Peering into the language of the military culture, you'd be shocked. You'd probably be shocked every day and go, Oh my god, this language is crazy. In the same way that when we listen to a hip hop song, which is particularly sounds particularly derogatory to women just because of the language being used, not necessarily the context being used, but words being used to describe women, bitch. We perceive yeah. it in a much more offensive way than it is being used within that culture.
1: So I think there's an issue of of uh, I think that like I mean, I think with I think with certain cultures treading carefully here (laughs) with certain cultures could really ask questions about their attitudes towards gay people and women and I think hip hop culture is one of them and you could go broader than just hip hop culture I mean like I mean like hip hop culture you know like 80s 80s and like you know I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. if you know 99 reasons, but a bitch ain't one. Do you know what I mean? I like, got Like, you know, like, um, I remember having a conversation with a teacher about, like, about language, and she said, like, she said, she said, uh, no one really talks about the experiences that young women go through these days. She said, like, you know, she said, uh, a young woman basically starts to develop at, you know, as a child, you know, they're as young as eight and nine these days, you know, all of a sudden they're a child with boobs you know, and the world changes. All of a sudden, men are sleezing at them. All of a sudden, they're getting comments about their anatomy they're switching on the tv the media is at war against their body shapes their sexuality is slut shamed Mm. they're switching on headlines they're reading they're reading everything like you know from sexual violence domestic violence women getting killed by their partners and every icon they have is an object of sex completely sexualized their children like like cars are beeping their horns men older to be their dads are leering at them you know like um and then these days the media that that um that that um you know young fellas engaged with, and everything from Andrew Tate, uh, you know to some of the, like, like you know to the language like like once you're aware of it when you look at it, can kind of look like like a like a'causecause I' remember doing that thing on on like on on the language of porn, some of it'sm you know' <laughs> mad, like you know she said if you she said if like she uh, and she said she said uh she was talking to it from her own experience of growing up, she said like she said uh, she said, um, whether you're equal or not is not the point. I'm definitely not your dog. So, whose bitch am I? And she said, "In this world, that is politically correct towards so much. Why are the words bitch, slut, and whore hoes? And I was like, "Okay, good point, actually. If we're going to apply those rules, like, and but I do think that, that like that there's like like you've met my mate Brian. So, so second, so, so, me, you've met my, my uh, Brian, haven't you? Yes, my mate Brian. So, gay Brian. Yeah, yeah, g- yeah, gay Brian. So, 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 so Brian was a brilliant rugby player. You're like, drifting. You're drifting. oh, sorry, i drifting. <laughs> okay. Your okay, so, 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 so. so Brian, like, you know, was a good rugby player, like, like um, you know, like a monster academy there and thereabouts. And he, he's got stories of, you know, like, he doesn't come across as a, in any way. You, you wouldn't have thought Brian was gay walking in the room. Do you know what I mean? And uh, but he's got stories about growing up in a rugby culture. And every time we have someone's like, gay, gay, and he had a breakdown because he was hiding his sexuality. And there was nothing meant by it. But The fact that there was nothing meant by it does not alter the fact that, you know.
0: So he was hiding sexuality as gay, and they were... T- calling things gay just like in the yeah, language you do that's a bit gay yeah exactly that's gay as fuck well you got a Prius that's gay yeah yeah and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah.
1: and so like so so.
0: Prius isn't gay by the way what's that Prius isn't gay what's, what's that Prius the Prius Prius isn't gay what's Prius Prius the car what Toyota is Prius is it a gay car is it I derailed so that with the Prius squad. so uh, so, yeah. And then the language barrier kicked in. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So, so, so basically, like, uh, so, uh, so, I think that there's. Here's the thing, right? Is I think that, like, like, I think if we start calling everything toxic mass. I think we need, we need, to work on, 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 like, you know, just re- reaffirming. Broadening our definitions and reaffirming some of those older values about, about looking out for each other. Do you know, like, I mean, because, because men have got a great sense of loyalty to each other, but we do struggle. Sometimes we've got a bit more of a thing of different to me as less than me. Bringing you this podcast
0: today are Rugby for Heroes. Rugby for Heroes are a not for profit organisation founded in 2009 in the wake of the death of Private Joe Whitaker, who was sadly killed on operations serving with the Parachute Regiment in Afghanistan in 2008. Rugby the Heroes fundraise for military charities. They do this by organising high-quality events which revolve around the themes of rugby, alcohol, live music, good food, good people. Since they were formed, Rugby the for Heroes have raised nearly £120,000 for military charities. I have been a beneficiary of theirs in the past, and it's actually how I came to know about Rugby the Heroes is when they reached out and helped me when I needed it most and they have helped countless other individuals and countless other organizations help ex-military and servant personnel in their toughest times. Rugby the Heroes, I've got many events lined up. Look at their website, rugbytheheroes.org, to keep up to date when the next events are. Make sure you get along to at least one of them if you can, and I will see you there. I've been to every one of their events since I became aware of rugby heroes and like I said since they helped me out and I'll be going to every single one of their events in the future wherever possible rugbyheroes.org or you can find them on social media at rugbyheroes at rugby number four heroes do you know what I mean
1: like like and I see that a lot in schools that like you know like um, if you are not this like um, like <laughs> Even have this, uh, I, 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 like you know, like th- this thing that you go into, particularly sporty schools. Like, you know, like you, you're not a man if you're smart, if you're sensitive, if you're gay, if you don't play sport, if you don't like rugby, if you're not into what I'm into. You know, like you're fucking nothing. Do you know what I mean? And and I think sometimes there's these, like, there's these um, these values by which we hold ourselves, or, or that we try to pretend to be, that aren't true to who we were, who we really are. Like, you know, like, uh, like, um, you know, like. <sighs> You walk into a boys' classroom, and and like you know, like um, the smartest lads in the classroom were always marginalised, kind of picked on a bit. You know what I mean? Like you know, like you know, because we we have these ideas that we can Conform. conform. I, I remember this girl. I was super shit with girls, but they, because I was trying to get with the girls. That pull that the, mic into you. Was that pull that mic into? You. So 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 like so, I was super shit with girls, but uh, but um, I was trying to, I was trying to go with the girls that all the rugby guys were going into, and they just. There was one girl, and I remember her saying to me, like, Steve, what are you doing, hanging out with them for, love? I know you go to rugby, but you should be going to art college or drama school or something, you know? And and, um, and I, I messaged her on Facebook about 10 years ago and went, you saw me before I got to be me. do you know what I mean? Spent all my 20s and t- hanging out in nightclubs, where well, I should have been hanging out in bookshops, you know what I mean? and readings, and like, you know, and it was this whole thing of like, you know, and, and through my work, do you know what I've, like, uh, that I've been doing this year, I've had so many lads in rugby schools, big rugby schools, come and go, thanks for saying it, man. Thanks for saying it, because I think sometimes we're so afraid of that vulnerable side. I sometimes think lads draw dicks on walls because they find it easier to show their dicks than show their hearts. Do you know what I mean? We're so afraid of it. We're afraid of the slagging, and we're afraid we can't admit to the slagging. And then, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, I don't know, have you, can you say you've never been slagged and it's hurt?
0: Uh, no, it's hurt. Yeah. yeah so so like yeah, so yeah,
1: yeah. so and you know what it's okay and, and like and so it's it's being empowered by that right like, once we're empowered by that feeling of hurt and going i ain't ashamed of the fact of that like that's just that's that's actually that, that 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 well that's that's just the moment of awareness that's a, that, that that that's a part of you it's, I, it's a part of your humanity
0: you know like like i think there needs to be an evaluation step before that what's the evaluation step what i we being slagged for Good point. Is there an issue that I need to resolve? Is it a valid point of just slagging? But also, who's there? Or is it should be water off a duck's back?
1: So my opinion of it, or my no, not my opinion of it is right. My experience of slagging (coughs) is, if it's you, like if it's if it's if it's my if it's my wife, it's if it's people I'm close to, and there's no audience, I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Because if I'm uh, if I'm hurt by it, I'll tell you. But like, but um, but I think we should also.
0: When you're saying when you're saying when in this when we're talking about this here, when you're saying slack, like, you mean um a joking joke a mocking. Mock jokingly mocking. Yeah. yeah. You're not a serious insult. A jokingly mocking, but about something that might be an actual Yeah. An actual um uh, attribute of yours that exactly yeah. okay
1: alright got it all right. so one thing I always say about let's say like, like the awareness that women have of others and you know like a, like you will hear lads make domestic violence jokes rape jokes disabled jokes midget jokes and all about like, like do you ever hear women make suicide jokes which is 80% men you never do
0: no, but I think no, that, go, on. go on. No, you go no, on. No, I'm
1: not saying women don't because women can't have their own way of having a dig. But like, but there is that awareness of oh, do you know what I mean? I think as lads, I now this is my theory on it is that is that I think sometimes we, I think sometimes we try and distance ourselves from that vulnerability by, like, by just trying to laugh everything off. Now I think there's a certain amount of. Now I've also got this other theory on it as well, which is that I think like in terms of Zen, right? Like if Zen is about having awareness of surroundings and being in the moment. I think that feminine energy has amazing awareness of others, but is rarely in the moment. Always catastrophizing about the past or the future. Whereas I think masculine energy lacks that awareness, but is right in the moment all the time, which is why we can come out with shit that hurts people quite often, because we're right in the moment. We we lack that awareness, but we're right there. So that's why I think kind of like... Yeah, uh, I
0: don't know, man. I I think I so on the language and the, the... you were talking about disabled jokes and violence and things like this. I think that the root of that type of interaction... Now, the language has evolved. Okay. The way we do it has evolved. And there's definitely been sort of uh, an exacerbation, if that's the right word, in in how... Of when that language or those kind of interactions, violent or you know verbal interactions occur, where they're not necessarily... Required for in an evolutionary perspective, right? But I I think I think that on the men's side, that that violent. So in terms of the violent side of things, that is, you know, locker room, not locker room talk, wrong expression, (laughs) but you know, but um, boys, boys talk, you know, boys talk, talk yeah, 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 like exactly, you know, like you're just talking about there, banter, banter, yeah, and slaggings and all of that stuff, like you were saying, predominantly revolves around like it's posturing, it's it's either posturing to demonstrate or to try and up yourself in the social ladder in, yeah. term, in from the perspective of uh, sexual competition, finding yeah. a, like, competition to find a mate, right? Yeah. And then on the, like, the disabilistic example, maybe that's part of, again, demonstrating that you are strong, you perceive that as weak and you are stronger than that. And, so that's how I think that how that language has evolved down to sexual uh-huh. competition because men have different requirements to women. Uh-huh. Women have emotional requirements. W- w- women women have a need to find men who demonstrate uh-huh. the demonstrate masculine traits, demonstrate um, existing or future likelihood to have access to resources that it can provide. Yeah, but then conflicting that as well. Women have a requirement to find a man who is willing to share, for example, willing to stick mm-hmm. around, willing to care for their children, willing to uh, spend time out foraging and fighting and, and protecting them while they're with the, with the kids. So I think on, my point is on the masculinity side, I think what is evident in the, a lot of the language we have that we scream at the moment or people scream toxic masculinity, is just a demonstration of what is what is kind of evolutionary. And a demonstration of boys, especially in the boy sense, because they're still finding their feet. Of they're moving towards the men need to be and realizing, okay, this is this is what women want. This is what we think will attract us to women. And, it's, and a lot of it is learned behavior. And a lot of it's genetic. So well, I think those. Well, am I making the right yeah, point? Yeah,
1: but there? my 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 issue would be when we start talking in evolutionary terms. Is like, yeah. is about evolution is it moves on? Yeah, and so you know like that, that that's why we're not going out killing the children of the of the mates we want to, to preserve our gene pool do you know what i mean do you know like 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 in nature the lion will kill the offspring of its of its of its uh, of its rivals like you know like there's all these like and yeah, but that's,
0: yeah, that's only because right yeah. so so even now the yeah. same as thousands of years ago the last stop on the journey of conflict resolution yeah. the last stop if you get to it is Life or death. The last stop is lethal violence. That's the yeah, last stop. Yeah. The only reason that it seems to be not a thing now, and not not a requirement, like men being physically capable, is not a requirement. Okay. It's because there's many, many, many more stops in between now. Yeah. yeah. There's more. There's more there's strings on the bow. There's more weapons in the army to resolve the conflict. Even, and most of those are language based. Say that again. There's more. Which part
1: what you just said there before strings in the bow, there's more strings there's, in
0: the bow. there's more stops in between there's more stops between, in, the, in the journey of conflict resolution there's more things yeah. that you can do to resolve the conflict before you get to there's more ways you can demonstrate to the opposing party I am stronger than you, it is not worth going further down this journey because I will beat you when we get to the last stop life or death.
1: But what is stronger than you these days? whats how, what, how is strength defined now? Cause, because, because At which I stage say, on the journey are we? Well, I think in terms of <laughs> evolutionary terms, right? I think in terms of evolutionary terms, like, um, like um, you know, I think that a thousand years ago, 500 years ago, 700 years ago, maybe, physical strength was really important to get your position within, within a societal group. Now it's intellect. It's intellect and drive.
0: Well, well physical strength is still important, just much less important.
1: It's important for entertainment and war, but it's not. But 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 you uh, like you're not going to be able to put f- like as much food on your table by lifting things as you will by sitting at a computer selling shares. No, See what but, I mean? so no, but in which true. men of the world are not the physically strongest men of the world? See what I mean? So the men with the most power in the world are not the men with the, They're not the most violent and most. And most physically strong. No, but that
0: doesn't doesn't help you in in an individual conflict, does it? When you're trying to protect your wife.
1: Yeah, but the reality these days of individual context trying to protect your wife is it's not it's not a day to day reality.
0: So that's what I'm talking about. There's more steps on that journey to conflict resolution. Yeah.
1: So, like, so, so by the same juncture, right? So so by the same juncture, um, so our measures of strength. And our definitions of strength are broader than just, than just physical. Yeah. So, and our measures of courage are broader than just, you know, putting one's life in a moment in danger. You know, like it can be. They There's can be more ways
0: to demonstrate value.
1: Yeah. And yeah. and I think also, like uh, our definitions of lots of things, uh, are broadening. So like so, so you know like like um. And I think that the conversation around I think the conversation around uh is a part of this is the conversation around you know, around our relationship with vulnerability and being empowered by it. Sorry. I <laughs> I keep talking. talking the mic. <laughs> <laughs> can you mix this right? Can no, you no, all no, right. <laughs> okay, so so part of it can be about this ADHD me. Yeah. <laughs> can be uh, like, you know, like um you know, our relationship with, with our vulnerability. Because, I mean, definitely, I think, um, I think, like, since I've only got this, I've just got this back from kids as well and from lads and just, uh, just uh, almost like when you have conversations with lads and you see, you know, like, I mean, I've got this thing of saying, like, lads, that macho armour is beautiful. It's great crack for the sports room. It's great crack for the battlefield. It's great crack for the banter, but also weighs a tonne. And if it crushes that vulnerable part of you, if if it makes you suppress that vulnerable part of you, don't hold. If you experience vulnerability, uh, you should experience your vulnerability as as strong as you do that side of you. Because we are all going to experience vulnerability, and when we do, if we're empowered by it, we're not going to hide it. We're not going to suppress it. We're not going to uh, you know like because because if you look at you know, if you look at the, um, if you look at the, you know, the mental problems that men have. You look at the tragedy around men these days, and like you know, suicide rates, etc. You know, and there's very few people these days of our age, you know, who don't know a hand, at least a handful of people, you know, who they've lost. And you know, and you know, I'm just hypothesizing, but for, like. For me, since I stopped experiencing vulnerability with shame and as weakness, my, like I'm like my own my own, you know, mental health struggles have been, and since I've started sharing it and, and and sharing it with all, you know, like um, I've, since I've started becoming empowered by it, it's also, it it it's given me an awareness of others that I never had before, um, and but I also think that like like I was reading this this uh, writer Brené Brown. And she was talking about giving a thing about vulnerability and shame and this man came up to her kind of tearful getting to sign her book and said, "And said, um, she said, uh, he said, thank you, your talk was amazing. He said, look, I liked everything that you said, but she said, he said, you know, you talk about vulnerability and the power of it, but as a man, the moment I'm, I'm vulnerable, you don't want me. And she said she was just stopped in her tracks. And she was like, yeah. She said he just, he just knocked me for six because we don't, talk about it we reject I'm male tr- vulnerability
0: i'm strained I'm, I'm struggling to uh, find the le uh, like understand you yeah? not yeah. it's not find a lesson like i need can we focus on the give me any examples give me some examples of the vulnerability you're talking about and how that can be a sensitivity basically thing. sensitivity yeah, but give me give me some examples oh, because oh, where i when you're talking about vulnerabilities right the advantages yeah. i'm seeing of of accepting the vulnerability is that that should be something that I if I can work in it, I work on it to reduce the vulnerability. That's how I'm looking at this. Mm-hmm. Um so actually no, or, mm-hmm. or be able to or be able to accept if I can't if it's something that I can't change or shouldn't change, then accepting it and being able to live my life in the positive way with it, knowing that it exists and that's who I am. Say that again. So if I can't change it or improve it and and reduce that vulnerability or eliminate that vulnerability that I have in whatever manner I'm obviously not talking physical I mean like an emotional vulnerability we're talking about right yeah then if I can't then it's learning to accept it and be able to work through life in a way that I can do positive positively um and it doesn't and that and I don't let a vulnerability prevent me from doing anything that I can I should be able
1: to do I can do so right, so. yeah, it's about how we frame it to ourselves and experience it because, and it comes down to like, the message is quite simple, or or, or the message that I would give is quite simple that I would hypothesise over, which is that you know this idea that vulnerability is weakness is what causes us to experience it with shame. If we, if if we experience our vulnerability with power, as you know, as as an experience that we, within which we grow. We don't shrink from vulnerability. we're empowered by it, and that's where empathy comes from, because I, 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 I actually think that a hell of a lot of it comes down to like you know I think that um like I think like I think that empathy like like I think if you're empowered by your vulnerability, you're empowered by your
0: vulnerability. Give me an example of a vulnerability that you've worked through. This is what I'm struggling with. Oh, the any
1: vulnerability I... I've worked through. Yeah, give me an example. Well, I've, I've given you loads. Like so, like so. For example, can't take a slagging. Can't take a slagging is one. Well. I'm bipolar as well, That's which is a pretty big there, yeah. one, you know. So, you know, and, and let's say for example, like 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 I've I've been off to drink this year because I'm trying to, you know, like because I've noticed how, you know, it makes me manic, and then I hit these these I I go into dangerous levels of darkness. The amount of lads that you say to, the amount of men that you say to. Um, where you say, "Listen, I'm not drinking. No, I got like, look, I'm bipolar. I go to, I'm sure, everyone's, he's not drinking, and they mock you for it. And that happens. You get that yeah, that's
0: our culture, yeah. you know, like
1: so, you, like you, like so, like so, so ah, look, like it, and it's that. That's exactly so what why I'm talking you,
0: about. Why are you not using the word weakness? You're describing weaknesses yeah. Why don't you? Why aren't you using the word weakness?
1: Um, so...
0: Cause, vulnerab- because not being able to take a slag in is a weakness.
1: No, that's, no, there are two different things
0: here.
1: Okay, is a susceptibility to danger. Weakness is an inability to cope with it. Weakness is a lack of strength. Vulnerability itself is a, is a susceptibility to danger. But by definition... Okay. So if you're vulnerable like, like there is a possibility of danger. So if you're empowered by it, you witness it and you know where it is. Do you know what I mean? And so like so 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 your ship is vulnerable at the hull? You strengthen the whole. Do you know what I mean? Like, like so, so you recognize, so within yourself, you recognize your triggers. And also, but it's also. Self awareness. Self awareness. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, also, I also think that there's a thing, and, I, and I, I, this, is, this is from my own experience of who I, you know, like, I've, like I remember, like, I said to lads, you know, when you slag someone too hard and you see it hurt them as a kid, and you, and you go home and you think about it and you go, fuck it. Went too far there. Do you know what I mean? Like we've all done it. Like, you know, that moment of, like, you know, and I said, like, you know, so the, the moment when you're with the lads, and I think, like, actually, do you know, I do this thing, I said, like, like um, I do this thing. Do you know what I said earlier on? that I think, um, most, I, I think most lads hated women because they'd never seen anything positive in the classroom. Because I say, lads, you're not allowed to say anything physical. But I wanted to write on five things you like about women. And they go, what do you mean physical? I said, you can't say tits and ass. Lads would go, "Sir." What are we supposed to write then? And they're not even joking. Like, one lad slammed his pen down and I went, This is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, Okay, think about your mother. Okay, so, oh, look, like, like, you know, and uh, but then, like, when I started giving online workshops, right, when I started giving online workshops, I'd have lads sending me direct messages of things they liked about women, and the most common answer I got was, You can be yourself around women. And for me, like uh, I remember my fortieth, my girlfriend. Oh, said,
0: interesting! Interesting yeah, answer. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because I remember at my fortieth, uh, my girlfriend at the
0: time. You can let your guard down. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You can stop pretending. i never to thought be- of that before.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. At and that was, age. At that age, yeah. yeah and and, and yeah. I remember, I remember, like an ex of mine, Lucy, saying to me, um, saying to me, uh, like, um, just like she said, "For a guy who's a bit of a jock, you know, you're you're a bit of a man's man. She said, You've got a lot of gay friends and girlfriends. I hadn't really thought about it." And I went, do you know what? I mean, like, actually, it's like, it's because I'm a little bit more comfortable sometimes around just being sensitive. I can be, like, you know, like, sometimes I feel like I'm pretending to be a version of me that I'm not. And it's not to do, when I was 15, 16, I thought I I was probably gay, not because I fancied men, but because I was sensitive. Do you know what I mean? And because, because I couldn't take a slag in, because, because. You thought you were gay? I thought I might be, because I was shit with girls. Like, you know, I was like, like I, I had no confidence with girls. I I never actually, <laughs> I never thought I fancied men, but I just thought there were so many attributes that if lads knew that I had them, they'd go, gay. Because cause, 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 cause you must be gay if you're scared. You must be gay if you're sometimes you're confident. You must, you're must you not confident. You must be gay if sometimes you doubt yourself. Or do that's you really...
0: an example of a word that's just thrown around as an insulting word that it don't actually mean the meaning of the word.
1: So... And and yes, I know there's no obviously, meaning. Uh, in but it, I, but you know.
0: obviously, you—that's not how you interpreted it. I'm just. Yeah, it's another example of that kind of word being thrown around. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, so, 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 and again, it's all about like, like I think sometimes we from like, oh, I don't mean it. It's like it's not like stray bullets. Like I didn't mean it. Fucking don't fire the bullet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. it's like you know, it's it, it's um, it's like um uh, and I think uh, I think there is a line as, as well. where we just say like, you know, like um just This thing that I was saying to lads about, like, if you're empowered by your vulnerability, when you see it in others, you won't sneer at it. You'll be the guy who, when you see someone struggling, like, you know, maybe like will see someone getting homophobic abuse, you go, Come here, listen, i sorry, that was out of order, man. Like, you know, you see a girl walking through, getting a lad's, come, like, you know, being made feel unsafe, cat calling, it going like be the lads that says nothing, the lads, say Sorry, you okay? Like, 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 I'm really sorry, lads, we can do better. The lads in that school said to me, Like, but sore, sore. Fucking, okay, you know you get slagged out of it? You might do, you might get slagged out of it, but guarantee you, you get slagged out of it. Two guys will go home, like they got, like you do when you slag someone too much, and they'll think about it. Next time you stand up and say something, another lad will stand up, then another lad. So, the last man standing, mm-hmm. calling someone a faggot or a slut or a whore, is the smallest man in the room. And now you're defending masculinity, and all you're doing is being your fucking self. Do you know what I mean? Because you're just doing what... Like the, the amount of times that growing up you don't say something and you know you should but you're afraid of the slagging and you're afraid of like... Because not giving a fuck is a great thing. And then you get to our age and you look at the collateral damage that we were, we were never allowed to be those people and we, and all of a sudden at our age we start looking and going, are you okay? Are you okay, buddy? And then you start realising that the people you love, the people you really, really count, you don't love your brother's Your friends, you know, like the men in your life, you don't love them for their cars or their skin fades or their biceps. You might admire that shit. You love them for the moment, they open up to you and they show you that because the bravery and the strength that that takes to do that is like, is is quite something. Do you know what I mean? Because what we're breaking from and the strength and the courage here comes from millennia of evolution where we were not allowed to. Mm. And that's where the bravery and strength is. And once we start def- re- defining it that way, all of a sudden we start looking around and go, do you know what? And we're just, all we're doing is, like, like you know, and I think when we get to our age, we start to kind of, like, you know, because we we start to see collateral damage around us, you know, and like, but I think when you're young, it's like, no one spoke to us like that growing up. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, so for me, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, it's something that, uh, and it's, it's always evolving, you know what I mean? We always... Just like then we had that moment where you said, like, guys saying you can be yourself around girls. I'd never thought about it. I'd never thought about it until I read that as well. And what happens is, is as we have these conversations, that's one thing I think is just really fucked at the moment, is that we don't have conversations. Do you know what I mean? You know, like, um, go on.
0: You can be yourself around, I'm just thinking back to my childhood. Yeah. You can be yourself around girls if the girl is being okay with you. I was very uncomfortable as a kid around girls. Yeah. Real yeah. uncomfortable. Just because I, I just wasn't a very confident individual. I didn't, yeah. didn't understand myself. I was self-esteem and all the rest of the stuff I've, I've spoken about before on the podcast. And yet, do you know
1: the kid I knew at that age? I wished I was as confident as you. No. Yes, I shit you not. Because that's what we're all doing, man. We're all wearing that confident mask. We'd never show Where it.
0: Where was that? You look like thinking of the wrong kid, mate. You should That's have come to school. Kid who... You should have come to school with me. You would have been like, you you, like him?
1: You weren't <laughs> at school. You were bunking off with me. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, if you know, if if I was to walk into a room full of girls, that would be my worst nightmare. Like, oh yeah, me too. Fucking God. But if I used to walk into a room and there's one girl there, and I know her because I was in a class with her, whatever, and I knew that she'd even just say hello to me and become, then guard yeah. down. And when you said about. Um, when you say give it be yourself," I thought back to, that. I literally thought back to weight lifted off my shoulders. That experience of being yeah. around, there's no boys around, there's no posturing, there's no, because that's what it all is. Right? Yes, yeah, uh, it, it, it's just status. Bang, 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 bang. Who's who's the man? Who's the man? Yeah. Which of the groups are you yeah. part of? Who is not cool? Who is cool? What do the girls think of me? Who's good with the girls? And that weight gets lifted when you when you're not when you're not around them. Yeah, yeah, you know, if, yeah. If you're not, if you're not in that circle. If you're not in that group, if you're not the tip of the top of the tree,
1: yeah, you're
0: right. Yeah, if yeah. you are, you don't have those inhibitions. Because if you did have those inhibitions, you wouldn't be the top of the tree. No, you wouldn't. Do no. you know what no. I
1: mean? Yeah, and but and yet yeah, I also think that as well. It's like I mean, like, like I actually look at the guys as well who were the guys at the top of the tree, then getting all the girls. And uh, you know, my own dad, for example, like you know, a, a famed womanizer, infamous womanizer, got loads of women died in his own lonely. And well, I think, uh, I think that, I think that those guys who, who got all the things like like, they're, 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 like who wear that invulnerability like that and get all the girls. There is a little bit of a paradox there as well, which is that you know we talk about vulnerability, and I always say this to like you know you know we hear this thing about men treating um, women badly and the culture of misogyny and the glorifies treating women like shit has got to be has got to be spoken about and and, and and you know wiped out. But conversely. When you hear all this shit about guys who take street women badly, do you ever hear a woman go, do you know what I find out? Do you know what's sexy? Kindness. <laughs> oh, my God, Kindness. yeah. <laughs> Kindness would melt the knickers off you. <laughs> no, what you hear is that sexy bastard. I can change him. He was a challenge. And there is, on the one hand, you've got this culture of playboys, pick-up artists, you know, like uh, like all of that stuff. But there's definitely, I think it comes from a place of seeing good essence in people and and seeing good in people. But there's definitely a, there's definitely a fucking, um, there's definitely also a place where, you know, like um, our culture has to start, like, has to stop empowering those people bits that are just work against us because actually i was talking to someone about this about even when it comes to intimacy as a young fella you know when you meet someone you really connect with you know that you really are in love with the difference between going out and getting the ride is always brilliant it's always great it's always fantastic it's overwhelming when you're young it's, it's so intoxicating but that moment where you meet someone that you really fucking connect with and that joyous feeling again it's that bit where like you just fucking laugh together and you're and I still think when you're when you're when, when, when you're young, I was definitely when I first started going out with girls, going in and pretending to be this Superman lover. I'd only had about two shags in my life, didn't know what I was doing or where to stick it, you know, like, you kind know, of whereas like, you know, so 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 like you take off all your clothes, but you leave your fucking macho mask on. Whereas, in fact, when you meet someone that you just bear everything to and your vulnerability, it becomes this joyful moment where you laugh together and. You know, like But
0: changing that culture that you're talking about is to is to is to say that you need to change how the laws of attraction work.
1: Um, which
0: which you don't want to change unless both sexes are equal in terms of physical ability. I don't get you there. Well because the the so the the laws of attraction, like oh. ignore all the dressing they have in today's age and fads and, and fads and trends and all of the rest of it right um, like the laws of attraction of what we're attracted to in women generally yeah. what we're attracted to in men ignore the fringe attributes yeah right but mainly, so women are attracted to men who are, who are able to provide for them, provide a few things that we know they're able to provide, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in terms of... So that's on the baseline. And not in term- my world, actually, I'd have to say. Okay. and I'll explain uh, why. In a all right, so okay, so. so oh, I said women to men, then, didn't I? Yeah, women to men. Yeah. So then... And so... when What they're drawn to us in terms of physically or mm. socially are all uh, mostly... Attributes or indicators that, that signal mm. that we can provide uh, resources, protection, uh, resource and protection mainly, right? And good genetics.
1: Okay. Right? Okay. I'll Go on. So from your story, that makes sense. From my story, right? Um, this is Darwin's story. So so, right right. So, <laughs> I mean, like, um, so like so, from my story, from, like like is that is is my experience? Is that is that? And and this is, you know, I've lived like I've, like, grew up in a single mother home, was fostered by a single mother, and, and also just when I think of my friend groups as well, my social groups as well, which is that, I think that, so many of the women I know like um they are the breadwinners in the family do you know what i mean and and in actual fact they're attracted like, like and also it i doesn't, actually
0: doesn't mean the same laws of attraction apply to them it doesn't that doesn't mean they don't
1: i think the laws of attraction to
0: and and, and they and, and it's not so it's a trade-off the laws of attraction are a trade-off right so if so if you look at an example of a you know Generally, generally, women are attracted to men who have access to resources. A lot of resources. Mm-hmm. One of the things... No, no, it's not generally. That's one of the things, right? Mm. So I don't know exactly... Ri- what are the ways the, that some is, that? is well, The classic is young, you know, women to rich men, nice car, big house, or they've got a good chance of having that in the future. Do you think it but goes the other way as well, though? It, it can do, but there are okay. trade-offs as well. Okay. So... I am I'm only talking about your women men at the moment. I'm conscious I haven't talked about men and women because it goes it goes both ways, right? So there are trade-offs. You know, uh if if there's a if there's eight or nine of these things that women find are attracted to in men, yeah. one of those things could be shit. They could find a really poor bloke who's got nothing really attractive because all these other things are so good about him. Because it's so all the other the 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 factors are so good, are so high that they outweigh everything else. Yeah, he yeah. may be skint now. Maybe he's, maybe it's because he's got high prospect of de- earning decent money in the future. Mm. Or maybe he's just a really kind bloke. He's okay. just really generous. He's really good with the kids yeah. that you've already got, and you and you've you, from a previous father. But it's really hard to find a, a person to stick around. A yeah. blonde stick around with someone who's already got kids, right? So it's, it's all balances. So when I'm talking about these things, yeah, I'm generalizing, but also it doesn't have to be a woman. It's not always a woman wants a rich guy who's really good at fighting, got a massive house, has got great genes, and is going to stick around and is generous. They, they
1: all, you know. So I got to stop before it's not because I'm not agreeing with you. If I'm looking uncomfortable, it's not with what you're saying.
0: It's because Because I'm, no, no, I'm dying for a piss.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so look, like, two seconds.
0: We are, back. we are back with empty oh, bladders. Yeah. I feel so much lighter. Right. Oh, stop, it, I know. Can it, you hear me? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Did, it did give me a chance to uh, to think a bit through. I was butchering it then. Right, so the point I was making, I was talking about in the past, so I was talking about things generally, why women are attracted to men, what they're attracted yeah. to Yeah. It goes the same the other way, right? Now the, so men are attracted to certain things. Women, they have different values around what's going on and they, they work against each other. Anyway, the point I was trying to make is... Most of our behavior, male and female behavior these days, I think, you bumped that camera, didn't you? I'll sort that out in a minute. I think. Oh, it's good. It's you know, the good. one behind you. The, oh, okay. the, the, most of the behavior that the, That's not, I think it is. Most of the behavior that we exhibit has its roots in the laws of attraction. Now, that has its roots in the laws of attraction. So, okay. you know, a lot of the masculine stuff, a lot of the feminine stuff, most of the stuff we say or do. Has its roots in motivated by the laws of attraction, right? Most of it, but because of media, because of life, because of evolution, because of the way all of the everything of the way we live our life and what influences now, mm-hmm. some of it is pretty extreme and not necessary. Like, we've evolved behaviors and things and language and, and parts of our culture that is not necessary, has no evolutionary advantage, often isn't nice or good, but okay. we do it anyway. Which you've alluded to some of it, you we know, You've alluded to some of it already. That's the point I was trying to make.
1: So most of the laws of attraction. See, I think with the laws of attraction, I think they're so. Um, you know, like I mean, look. Once you talk about evolutionary laws of attraction, I think, I think it's commonly acknowledged that evo- that that we've started. We we've evolved in the last hundred years. We've started to evolve at a greater pace than ever before. Um, and that evolution itself has sped up exponentially. Now, I just heard that recently. I right? don't think we have. I definitely think we have. I definitely think we I have. I think.
0: I think we've. I think we have technologically. I think we have socially. But I think, I think, uh, in terms of our mental capability and our physical capability, that is, that has not as has evolved as fast as the things around us as have, which is why we are the think things that are so turbulent the,
1: but the things around us are part of our evolution our manifestations are our evolution so yeah so, so like so so as um you know so like so you know like, like apart from our roles you know n- not just in um our societies have changed exponentially our our roles have changed um what governs our 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 power as individuals changed um our attitudes towards each other have changed um and even even in the last even the last you know i mean look like i mean the last two thousand years three two and a half thousand years were you know, Western society based around Abrahamic religions, which in the space of about 20 years will almost be gone. 30, 40 years will almost be gone. There's 20,000. Uh, I see what do you, know you know mean, I mean now by that kind so, of so, evolution. Yeah, yeah, Got uh, it. Got And it. also, like, also, even if you look at, even if you look at, like, you know, the subjugation of other people, if you look at, like... Absolutely, like That's a
0: cultural people. evolution as opposed to individually, as a human evolution. You're talking about cultural evolution as opposed to human same thing, though. right? All of it is the same thing. So. I don't think so, because if... No, I don't think so, because if you go and look in... No, 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 because human evolution at the moment is exactly the same across the world, more or less, more or less, faster in some places than others, but it's not very obvious, whereas cultural evolution in the West is much faster, for example, than cultural evolution in sub-Saharan Africa.
1: Without the ability to be able to Google this right now and go, like, it's cultural evolution. So, like, so cultures of the
0: Amazon, right? So, with everything that was changed, the cultures in the Amazon rainforest right now are exactly the same as they were 20 years ago, almost. Whereas ours is vastly different. So, it's cultural evolution, not human evolution.
1: But, uh, but isn't, but culture is a manifestation of human evolution by definition.
0: Culture is the way we do things and the way we behave. But when I say human evolution, I mean physically and mentally.
1: Okay. So, like, so. Um, physically
0: and neurophysiologically. But
1: isn't culture an absolute response to that? An absolute response to our mental evolution? Yeah. So, you know, our so
0: culture is. A da- so, our cultural changes and the way we evolve, c- c- our cultural changes and cultural evolution will have an impact on human evolution. Going back to.
1: I don't just dismiss that.
0: Scientific, the scientific point I was making. Do do you know what?
1: I'm just reticent to. uh, I'm just like. I suppose
0: it's the trigger for human evolution, right? Cultural evolution is the trigger for physiological evolution.
1: Um, you see, I'm I'm not going to comment on it because I don't know. I just like. I I I'm not going to because until I. Can look at science and go, okay, what's it? I don't know what experts say, is, so I'm not gonna. I'd just be bullshitting you if I. Neither I I, <laughs> I. I <so laughs> I could have just been talking total shit yeah, I so been just, been talking I'm just I'm shit. gonna go on. Am I gonna if I, if, if I bounce this one back right? It's, gonna, <laughs> it's definitely like it's it's in a haunt that I disagree, but I'm not even sure if I definitely disagree because I'm just gonna be like like, like, like you know so. Um, but I do think that I do think the laws of attraction have changed quite dramatically, actually, because because the power because there's been a power shift
0: in our culture, in our culture, culture, yeah. Western so culture, like, yeah. so
1: I think that, and I also think that, I also think that, but I also think there's there, there's different levels of feminine and masculine attraction. And I often say this to to in, in, in my groups when I say like when you hear like um like like in terms of laws of attraction, you will hear women talk about the intellect of, of men. In exactly as, the same way as you hear men talk about the anatomy of women, right? You'll hear men go, "She's Christ, she's she's got a head like a pickaxe, but she's some bunda, all right." You know what I mean? Christ at all, just because so no, she's she's she, she's a face like the back of a train, but she's some pair of tits. Ah, oh, you would, you would. You'd hear women. You literally hear women go like, "You know, oh my God, he's really not very good looking, but he's really smart." You know, like you know, and and. um and
0: yeah, but why is that though, Steve?
1: Because I think women, uh, uh, I think, I actually think there is, I think there is, I think women are more cerebrally attracted and men are more visually attracted.
0: Or, yeah. or, it's because that when you, when you weigh up the negatives and the positives of, a, of the opposite sex, you're willing to let something be bad if other things are really good. So yeah. In okay. That, so in that example for the female, in that example, I, I'm I'm really going like a high level high level in this. In that example, yeah, he doesn't look uh, he doesn't look great, and the reason we pay attention to looks is because it's an indication of your how good your genetics are, likelihood of getting ill, and likelihood of doing uh, of of of, uh, of surviving getting and ill the, and uh, sick, and the likelihood okay. of your offspring being sick or, or being healthy, right? But if that's really poor, but they're really smart, then that's an indicator that they, they are likely to do well in the future, doing well, meaning access to resources, being able to provide. It's a really good example of the balance. That's why we're attracted to people physically. That's, that's why we attract physical people. It, it's an indication of... How strong the genetics are, how likely you are to be ill, how likely you are to be around in the future, how likely the offspring are to survive.
1: I'm not denying there's an evolutionary genetic route to this argument that is true. But uh, but 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 I, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I can we
0: get back I, on the poetry. No,
1: no, no, there, poetry. Just, one more thing is, one more thing I'd like to say on that. Hugh is that like I think we moved on to the stage now where there's more nuance to it. That's why we don't go up to someone we're attracted to and sniff their crutch. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like I I, I think we have we have like we have moved on to different things and different, you know, like, um, and we make connections in different ways that are further away from our instincts and more cerebral. Now, do you know what I mean? And and like, you know,
0: our language uh, and our ability to, uh, to, to, to indicate, to give off signals is very much more advanced than it was 10,000 years ago. But I think I I,
1: I would hypothesize that women in general would be, would be more like, like that. any guy really who makes a connection with a woman intellectually like you know like like, like like i mean people look at sheila and go how the hell did you end up with her she's way out of your league and you know i would say to them well she's really poor eyesight and no sense of smell but apart from that they make her laugh Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like you know and like and you know, we connect like that and you know and i think um I, th- I also think as well that I think that, and, and I would go back actually this to the whole, you know, like, um, you know, the, 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 the stereotype of being attracted to bad boys is that I generally think that women are also attracted to vulnerability as well. I think they genuinely are. I think they some women yeah, well, because of empathy. Less women, women
0: the more. Mm. So the bad boys, less women, the more.
1: Um, I again, we're talking about different things. So different, I come from an artsy background, and you and you come from a military background, I, so
0: just comparing experiences. I, but I'm also going off, I've, I've literally yeah. done research and studying of this, okay, which is why I'm talking with confidence on it,
1: okay. So, so. like, so,
0: so I'd be and I don't mean I did a Google search once, I mean, I've, I've read books, read, read papers on this, okay, because, so. because I want the one you actually started off with. And actually, the reason I went down the rabbit hole, it actually okay. started off with the assertion that um makeup and the reason we, we make make-up is it, it's like a a, basic, a, culture, uh, a, um, a social construct. That was what started me down the rabbit hole. Okay. And I okay. Thought, I don't think that's true, but I don't know, so I'm going to try and form an opinion on it by reading. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, to go back to the poetry, right, so... <laughs> No, do you know what it mean? is? is, is
1: you No, so to go back to the work that I do, right? With, uh, with, um, with, so so much of it is about just getting young men, women as well, young women as well. But but this year, so much more powerfully. To, I've been, you know, like I've been getting loads more work in boys' schools, particularly rugby schools. Um, getting young men to define their own sense of self and and masculinity or, or, or however they identify actually in terms of exactly who they are, you know, like that thing of being yourself and not trying to hide it, not trying to lock it away and being empowered by it. Like, you know, and, you know, and, 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 and also recognizing that, recognizing that if you can't take a slag in, that ain't weakness. It's, it's actually just, it's just sensitivity. And that whole thing of like, you know, like, like it's just and and once you, like basically not like a, to be empowered by all aspects of their human experience.
0: Yeah. When you were talking about vulnerability earlier, which is why I kind of asked you to, to, to go on over a bit more, mm. is because I, I was misunderstanding you. I was thinking you were saying um, accept vulnerability and and that is it to be empowered so, d- d- by it. Yeah, but you don't mean accept all the vulnerabilities and just that's what they are, and don't try to change them, do? You? Because that would be bad. So it's it's um, because otherwise you would now still be sensitive to slaggins. Oh, I still you, am. Well, a no, but bit, you, yeah. you would let them. They wouldn't. They would impact you just as much as they did then. I assume they impact you less. So
1: now. the reason they impact me less, right, is that because I'm not ashamed of being of being triggered a bit. I'm not ashamed by it. And So if I get triggered a bit, I will go. Like, l- like, rather than you hiding my shame and it. pretending that it doesn't hurt, I go, listen, man, sorry." Do you know what I mean? So I own it. So I, I'm being, I'm being more of my authentic self. Because if I'm not, so like, because because I'm no longer ashamed of that vulnerability. Vulnerability doesn't go away, but the, but its impact becomes less harmful. Um, and similarly, when I see it in someone else, and I see someone else get, I'm like, oh, you "Okay, buddy, I got you." Do you know what I mean? I'm like that too. Do you know what I mean? And like, you know. And, and I think that you know and I've and, and I've been in some schools where I've let's go, but sure sort of vulnerability is weakness, and like you're going, you're not getting it. It's like it's not like like, like weakness is 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 lack of strength, vulnerability is is, is susceptibility to danger, so oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> I keep doing it I? <laughs> so we should have done is had the monitor over there so i was looking at myself the whole time <laughs> so like so so yes yeah, so it's um and just not like i think sometimes as men we do like you know like we it's, it's this idea that we think we've got to be emo- like emotionally bulletproof you know and uh you know and that uh you know, like stuff like sadness, stuff like insecurity, stuff like lack of confidence, stuff like. You uh, know, yeah,
0: that's a misunderstanding. The the emotional bulletproofness, that's the misunderstanding. That's the, the problem is there is there's an overlap with. I'm going to come back to the attractiveness thing. There's an overlap with you're not, you know, you, you wanted, you're not, you're not wanting to display, you're not wanted to, to display a, what, something that could be perceived as a weakness by either men or women, other men or women. Like for, 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 and, but that doesn't mean. That you shouldn't, that you that that you shouldn't address to your point of vulnerability. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't pick up and address and accept those emotional issues you may have mm-hmm. or emotional parts of you that may be below the average bar. You know what I mean? That makes so, sense.
1: Uh we shouldn't accept those parts of you that are below the average. Do you know where I think? Like, um, how I think like um being empowered by vulnerability manifest in very real terms right is that is that i believe that When I heard, uh, when my, like at my my auntie Erskine, I heard stories, my Uncle P asked me about my dad, and no one spoke to him, and I heard some stories about his childhood and stuff he went through. You know, he went to an elite rugby school, and he he was a sportsman, he was an athlete, and, you know, he he was this guy who had this reputation around him, and then I heard about some of the trauma he went through that I'd never heard of. And the last year of his life when I looked after him, you know, like uh, he told me about some stuff he'd been through, and I kind of came to the conclusion that... um, that I don't think when people hurt us, it's ever about us. I think it's actually their trauma pointing at us. It's their pain pointing at at someone else. I think I I think when we hurt people, sometimes it's just clumsiness, but sometimes, oftentimes, it's because we're pointing pain at you know pain at others. You know, like bullies are not just. We love to think people are just bad. I I don't see that. I see trauma, and I think people like and I think I think that. So, like, so, like we don't, particularly as men, we don't, we don't foster a culture that encourages us to deal with trauma and, and sensitivity at a young age and then going back to that thing of the girl rejecting the guy in the Black Panthers in that film. You know, like if I'm empowered by my vulnerability, I just go, okay, I'm sad. Okay. You don't like me? Fine. But if I'm, um, if I'm, uh, if I'm empowered, if I'm not empowered by vulnerability, I'm ashamed of that rejection. Can't let anyone see. So fuck you, bitch. You ain't nothing. Do you know what I mean? And, it's, and, um, and so I, I've kind of got this thing of like, you know, like, and again, it's, there was a thing in, there was a thing, there was a thing that happened when, I heard my dad was dying. I hadn't spoke to him for five years. And, and you know, I was conflicted about whether to talk to him or not. And, you know, and then, you know, I just kind of said to myself that, you know, like, I've been carrying around this shit all my life, carrying around my past with me. What about, you know, what about if like for the last year of my dad's life? Because like in 1992, when I was living with my foster family with the Lukies and I got a call from my dad to say, come and, well, come and see me for the first time in 13 years, and my foster brother Andrew said, "You should go and see him." I was like, "Nah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go and see him. Fucking, him. I go and knock him out." And uh, he said, "Nah, man, this is part of your story. This is part of your journey, man." So, I went to see him, and I cancelled a trip to go to the Brighton Jazz Bop with, you know, with him uh, for his 18th birthday. Went over, saw my dad, fell in love with the Murrays, fell in love with him, came back, and Andrew and four friends had been killed in a car crash. And when I heard, you know, like, and, like, and it, was, you know, it, was, it was national news. And if I hadn't dropped that pain and anger, there's every chance I would have been there, you know. You don't know whether I would have because things could have happened, whatever. But there was a good chance I would have been. So when I heard he was dying, and I had all this stuff about, like, when my kids were born, I'm not having his bullshit in my kid's life. Then I heard he was dying, and I was like, nah, man, letting go of that shit. That's what, you know, like, you know, like, you know letting go of that shit is what saved my life before, letting go of anger and conflict. And, and so I just said to myself, what about if I can, for the last year of his life, I can be the best son I can possibly be to the worst dad I could possibly have had. And when he died six months ago, it was like this shadow lifted off me. And, and in that last year of his life, when I was there for him, for the first time ever, he showed me his vulnerability. He was great at doing it to get his way showing you his endearing eyes and he could wear it and he could wield vulnerability, but he didn't show vulnerability and I saw it. And, uh, and I heard the story of his trauma and, um, and you know, like, and I, I guess all this stuff that I have is, is you asked me earlier on, you said to me, why do you do what you do? Um, and I think I try and fix things to fix me and that's what it is and i think i try and fix what went wrong not what went wrong what went right i suppose like you know like uh, i have a learning platform that I, that I that i that i a digital learning platform that is really entertaining it's all mr spark it's all mr spark when he it's all that a learning experience that does not shame you because you cannot draw as well as the guy beside you because you don't like reading out when called in front of the, t- it's fixing that moment. I had, a, I had a terrible stutter as a child. I have a summer camp that I run for. For, for you had a stutter. I had a fucking awful stutter. Yeah, I had an awful stutter, and it only came at, like when it when it hit, it hit bad, you know. And actually, it was like it was when I got to the Lukies and they said to me, "Just calm down. It's okay. It's okay." And I've, and two years later, I didn't have a stutter, like you know. And how old uh, were you when you went there? So I went into like I ran away from home to your house when I was twelve and a half and then social services were called in and I was in and out of juven not juvenile in and out of um foster care for about a year I'd say and then I went in around thirteen and a half I went into children's home and myself and Andrew were like 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 um on the way back from the skiing trip at age fourteen and we sat together on the coach became mates and i started hanging out with him and his mum said one one night we we're at a party of his and uh, a family party and i had to go home and and he said his mum said where's he going she went "I've oh, got to go back to the children's home by 12. he's like is it a children's home he should come and live with us so like at, at about 14 um just 14 and a half maybe um good people yeah good people good people and and here's another thing that forms my worldview as well. Do you know what we love to say? We love to say that, like, we love to say, I, like, I got this because I deserve it. I got this because people say to me, didn't you do well? Um, you know, like, because, because a lot of the lads in that children's home went to prison. I remember meeting one lad, and he just said to me, when I was about 21, I met him out drinking, he was like, yeah, I saw Simon and the Carl. they were in prison, yeah, we were in him, yeah, Dave was in there, so I was like, we were saying, we think you're the only one who didn't go in. The girls, the girls never, the girls, a lot of the girls, most of the girls made lies for themselves, but a lot of the lads just repeated the cycle and people said, didn't you do well? It was not that I did well. It was that I came from a family where I spoke well. I played rugby. I went to a good school. So I had middle, I had a friend's network of middle-class kids. I went, what are you doing in here, love? Come and live with us somewhere. First day I arrived in that children's and one of the chi- residents of social workers went, what's a kid like you doing in here, eh? Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't that I did well. It was that I was lucky. You know, I'd look like like, I'd, like it wasn't so much, much as it deserves, as as you deserve to be tall. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Or as you deserve to be clever. You just are, you know, like and, and I landed there from a position that you know, and and uh, you know, I think that's where, you know, all of this comes from like, you know w- some of those kids would grow up, some of those lads would grow up and they'd be you know, they'd be in and out of prison and people would look at those and go, scumbags. And what they don't see is traumatised kids. Traumatized kids that never had the chance that other people had, do you know what I mean? Um, you know, so, um, and again, I think, I I think so much of it is about our vulnerability. It's about, you know, like we love to, we love to look at everyone as good and bad, evil and good. And I just think there's just different levels of trauma and, 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 and and the hand we're given to cope with it and process it. You know? Yeah,
0: it's a good point. You know, many, 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 many of the people who have had the shittest lives in the world and many criminals, I and mean, this is not me excusing them, many, many, many of them are, are as much a victim of circumstance Absolutely, yeah. as the the happiest, richest, most fortunate people are in the world as they are as beneficiaries of circumstance. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's polar opposites and we forget that. You know, and... and, and that's not, to, I'm not to say I'm excusing criminals, you know, or criminality, but it's, uh, you, you know, you being born where we were born, just being born in the UK. Much better Absolutely. being born in the Congo, for example, in relative terms, or much yeah. being better being born in Kiev, in yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ukraine right now.
1: Yeah. and that's, that's the other, actually, I, I was, um, like, I, I think that, um, I think that, do you know what? Um, I've had way too much coffee. Oh, me too. Actually, I'm wired to the moon, <laughs> and, I, and I need to go for a piss again as well. We're
0: finishing off. Really oh, now. are
1: we? Okay. So, 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 everything I do in my summer camps, right? All I say to my students for going in there is, when you have these kids in there, the job is to not. Okay, you teach them a bit of stuff, but you go in, you just fucking tell those kids how brilliant they are, and if one kid's not as good as the others. You, do, you show them little tricks to make it really good. And you make every kid, you spot where they're not. So you spot where they're looking over going, oh, this is shit. And you go, fucking. So everything I'm kind of doing is kind of to fix the things that I found hard. Looking over at, you know, because I think that's one of the hardest things about school is all of a sudden you arrive in school. You arrive in secondary school and people tell you, this is the rest of your fucking life now. This is your future and you're going to fuck it up. And then you look beside you to someone taller. Like see the next thing puberty hits and some lads got pubes and some lads hasn't. You're in the showers and some lads are covering themselves up and some lads are walking in with their hands on their hips. Like you know, all of a sudden you're giving grades. I tell you, you're too lazy, too stupid, or too clever. And if you're too clever, well, they're not that cool. Because now now there's cool and uncool, there's popular and unpopular. All of a sudden, the, the spotlight sh- is shone on what you're not, and you're trying to pretend that you're the confident guy, that you're the ladies man, that you're the tough guy. I had a reputation of being a tough kid because I was in a children's home. It was mythology. It was all mythology. It was all fucking spin. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then I had to try and justify it. And then it became my only agency. So I I went to my my teens and my 20s going out getting drunk, taking drugs and fighting because it was my only agency. It was the only place where people said nice things about me. Or what you
0: perceived to be nice. What I perceived, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was was the only place where I felt... You know, and... uh, and then I think, like, you know, like, like I, uh, I think that then, then all of the, and, and then I met people who freed me from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, and, and I made connections with, you know, like, and, and again, always, uh, what I would always say to all of the people, all of the lads I teach is, look, write down what you love about your friends. About what you, write down what you love about the lads you love the most. Write down the moments where you became friends. It's always where you... But you peel back that armor and show your heart. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the great irony of... Uh, of uh, the one thing we get right in the manosphere is we use balls as a metaphor for our strength. It's got big fucking balls on him, that, lads. So we use our most vulnerable part of our body as a metaphor for strength we get that one right <laughs> like, you know, we can... in actual fact the lad with the smallest balls that no one can see is at sort of least likely to you can't take a kick to them Do you, know what <laughs> you know and i think uh what I, what I find really exciting about all this right we talk about it we talk about it and like you know and and we say that like you know like that you know like you know those moments where as lads when we just fucking go I, I feel we get lighter as we talk about it you know what i mean we get we seem to and that's how i felt when my dad died is like all of a sudden i felt so much of the shit i was carrying you know like a, like, like like some of the shit i was pretending to be and all of a sudden it's like ah oh. also i i grew up with the with the shadow of my father people going he's going to be like his dad and then when he died it was like oh now it was like the last bit of me you know being set free
0: mate it's been a pleasure how can, people, um, how can people check out what you're doing? Uh, you're so, appointed? I can go
1: to the website www.inspireland.ie. Inspireland.ie. And, um, and thanks for having me on here, man. It's this right, is, b- this is great work you're doing, by the way, Hugh. And again, a lot. Like, you
0: mean with my uh, research into laws of attraction?
1: No. Uh, no. <laughs> no I'll, I'll tell you what I fucking uh, love about this, right? What, what made me really proud was when I hear you, when I hear you hitting, hitting, hitting notes about mental health, about reaching out to each other and the brotherhood that you have, there it is. There it is fucking right there. Right there. It's what connects us. United we stand, divided we fall. But we connect. We connect together, basically, to identify the weak bits of the hull and we patch it up for each other. Do you know what I mean? And, like, when I walk into a school and say, like, I can't take a slag in my weakness, when I see it in the other lads, I go, fuck me neither. It's okay. That's fine. No, it's there. I'll sail with that to the wind. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, you know. Yeah, it's, if, yeah. it's,
0: if that, I mean, that example, if you, don't, if you don't realize that early on, that will destroy your fucking life. It'll oh, rip your mind yeah. apart. You see it all the time. See yeah, it all the time. yeah. You know, especially obvious in the celebrity world. Yeah. Especially, that's the most obvious example of it. But yeah, that, yeah. It, it's common across Joe, Joe Public. You know? Can I
1: just uh, share with you a story I heard, actually, before we finish up? Yeah, right? I heard this uh, this guru talk about an alcoholic. And he was talking about an alcoholic in India who said his wife said, I'm going to leave you. He said, uh, because you're going to drink yourself to death. So he said, I'll give up drinking. So if you drink again, that's it, we're done. So he gives up drinking and his life goes amazingly. He gets fucking business starts going really well. He lands a deal, becomes rich overnight. Six months later, he goes, fuck him. I'll have one to celebrate. So this guru says, the thing about the alcoholic, the alcoholic is like the yogi. For he is timeless. And next thing, nine o'clock turns into four o'clock in the morning. And the thing about the yogi, about the alcoholic, is he also like the yogi insofar as he reaches awareness. And the alcoholic realizes the world is round and it is spinning. And he finds it very hard to stand up. But he describes this guy walking home. He makes it home, thinks, I made it, falls in a bush, cuts his face to ribbons. And and he says... uh, he says, he goes in, and goes, fuck it, the wife's going to leave me. So he goes into the bathroom, patches himself up, fixes his face up, sleeps in the spare room. The wife comes in in the morning, says, you prick, you were out drinking last night. I said, I know, but look, no harm done. She says, no harm done, what do you mean? She brings him to the mirror and says, look at that, you fool. And the bathroom mirror is covered in plasters. And what this yogi says is, the problem with us all is we're trying to fix the reflection of ourselves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and on that
1: note, <laughs> cheers, <man. laughs> that been excellent. Mate. Nice cheers, awesome. man, thank
0: you. <laughs> that's it. If you enjoyed this episode, why not become a HR patron? HR patrons get exclusive access to premium content. There are private interviews with previous guests and with this guest that nobody will see except for the HR patrons. So, before this podcast was recorded. I recorded an exclusive Q&A, a a shorter interview, structured around eight questions. All the questions were chosen by patrons beforehand, and that interview is online now for patrons. That happens every time. Patrons also get access to all of the episodes before anyone else. They get advanced viewing of the episodes, and you also get other perks and bonuses. All of the information is on charliecharlie1.com. Just hit the menu item become a patron. It'll show you everything there, including access to the H.R. Discord community and private patron-only channels on there. So go to charliecharlie1.com and hit the menu item, become a patron. Easy peasy. Thank you for being a supporter. Subscribe to the channel and I will catch you on the next episode.